This is Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. My guest today is commercial photographer Rick Tapia. His work has been seen in Sports Illustrated and ESPN the magazine. His clients consist of the NFL, Kia, and Skechers, just to name a few. You can find his work at his website, tapiaphoto.com, or on Instagram at tapiaphoto. I say I work every day and no days. Okay. <laughs> Meaning that I'm always doing something for my business every day of the week, whether it's editing, whether it's phone calls, whether it's thinking about how to grow my business, what clients I want. And then it's also, I work no days because I love my job. I, you know, that's what I want to do. Like, like, what do you want to do with, with your life when you retire? It's like, I think I am semi-retired already. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm shooting. I'm getting paid to travel the United States shooting football games. What do you mean when I retire? This is my retirement. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests who have been awarded the Silver Star, won the Emmy, and photographer Nick Carver. Per- perfect example. Uh, the one I most recently posted, which is um, taking pictures in Fullerton. Yes, um, yes. So I did Donut Shop. Uh-huh. And, uh, I finished that video and I posted it, and I was basically depressed the first few hours after I posted it. I told my wife, I'm like, it sucks. I hate it. It's terrible. People are going to hate it. And it is a waste of time. That one actually has the highest rate of upvotes to downvotes of any of my videos. <laughs> So evidently, I have a horrible gauge of you what people are going to like. Damn. Yeah, I can't. So I, I have to just remember that I don't know and then just right. put out what I think is good in the moment and then people will decide. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into our conversation with Rick Tapia. Rick Thanks for stopping by. Matt, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. It's really been too long. When was the last time we saw each other? Gosh, I mean, maybe... Angels baseball? That's what I was going to say, because I don't think we've seen each other since a baseball game, and I don't think we've seen each... We've had the pleasure of rubbing elbows since then at, like, a football game or anything. So I think it's been Angels baseball, which is... Summertime of 16? Is that really how long it's been? Right. Oh, my God. Or, you know, probably, because you didn't do... Oh, yeah. You don't do that much baseball, right? No, I don't. Um, It's one of the sports I kind of take time off in the summertime because I'm so focused on football, so it gives me a little bit of a break. But, uh, yeah. So summer, early fall of 16. 16 is last time. Jeez. How's the world changed? (laughs) (laughs) That is an understatement. (laughs) Yeah. Just think about how August was of 16 and you're like, oh, August of 16. Think about August 2020. (laughs) Like, let's, let's, let's real be real about that. Right. Not even that far ago. Jeez. So I'm glad you had time to stop by. You're definitely one of the people I wanted to sit down, talk to, um, the, the podcast is not always just like photo driven, but you are definitely one of the photographers I wanted to bring in because you're, I believe, of the generation of the younger photographers coming up that, and we'll dive into this, but you probably didn't grow up with film, right? You probably didn't have, you know, your professional career on deadlines with film. My professional career definitely never had film, right. but I did, you know, as a student, I definitely had film in high school and college. So let's talk about that. When did you discover photography? I discovered photography the freshman year of high school. A buddy of mine, good friend, um, introduced me to photography. He was a photographer. His dad was a photographer, not professionally, just an amateur. Okay. And Was it an elective class? So I never 
I never took a photography class in high school. I took yearbook in high school. Okay. And that wasn't until my sophomore year. So my freshman year kind of delved into photography, you know, got my first camera for my birthday fresh, um, freshman year. And so kind you were of, kind of committed then if you asked for that as a gift. Yeah. I mean, definitely looking back at it, you know, when you're, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a, a new camera and a set of lens, especially, you know. Back then, back sure. in Back in the day. Um, What'd you get? I, I got a Rebel, Canon Rebel, okay. um, just with a kit lens, nothing, you know, nothing. 1855 or something. Yeah, back in the day was the 24 to 80. Okay. And so, yeah, definitely um, my parents were like, yeah, let's try a new hobby. You know, you're high school experimenting. Sure. Can't hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think my parents were like, oh, photography? Yeah, we'll give you that. You That's can't, safe. You know. <laughs> Have you ever seen the meme? It's like, if you want your kids not to do drugs, you give them a camera because they yes. never can afford it. Right. That's it. <laughs> and I think I think they already knew that. Right. I mean, outside of a meth is really bad for you, <laughs> photography is way more expensive. Oh, way more expensive. I don't think people understand how expensive right. gear, so gear is. It, I probably should have started with the meth habit and I would have had more money. No teeth. No teeth. But no, but way more money. Oh, you could. I think you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> another another joke. You know, how, how do you how do you make a million dollars in photography? Not have photography gear. You start with two million. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that one? No, no. no. Uh, that's a an good old, one. It's a good one. I think that's an old Put it on a t-shirt. All right, there you go. So photography in high school, that's your slippery slope. That was my slippery slope. And, you know, definitely started with more traditional abstract, just, you know, shooting photos around nature type stuff, whatever you could photograph at the time. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up... Um, couple different I moved around quite a bit so I've, okay. I've lived in eight, eight different cities my whole life but at the time in high school I was in a small town called Merced California okay in the Central Valley and then we moved my sophomore year to Reno Nevada okay did that kind of location help you expand photography looking back on it Yes, because it was um, the teachers and people I met that opened the doors. That's great. Yeah. So definitely freshman year, I kind of discovered photography on my own. And moving to Reno, I, I had, um, her name was Miss Verzola, and she really helped me, you know, go into yearbook. And so okay. she kind of vouched for me. Um and be the yearbook photographer for that. And that really helped. And then I had another um, instructor who I met, Mr. Burke. He got me started at a time when digital photography was kind of really brand new. So I did a class called Imaging, Animation, and like Effects, I think it was. Wow. And so we worked in Photoshop in high school. I mean, so. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was a great exposure. So talking about not being a professional photographer with film, I started out pretty early working with digital photography really early because if you think about it this was 2003 yeah, i mean that's pretty so early. i mean that's when the canon 10d just came out mm -hmm. and so that's you know that was like the first a full affordable camera that digital camera is i think it was 1700 dollars, and it was you know wow. that was considered a very affordable because you remember right. i mean yeah. ten thousand no. dollars could oh, get easy was, yeah it got you a digital camera that was crappy <laughs> I mean, that's what it got you. So did you immediately take to it? Were you in love or was it a slow relationship? Oh, oh no. I think, I think I took to it very fast, especially once I was on yearbook and started doing sports. Um, my first game was the championship football game for, for the <laughs> right high school. Right into the fire. Right into the fire. And so we were, we were still using film. I think she gave me 10 rolls of film and I brought another 10 myself. And I think I shot like 15 or 17 rolls. Wow. And she said, I didn't think you were going to finish 10. <laughs> That's a lot. It was a lot. I was just shooting everything 
Ryan, you know, taking you're talking about opportunities when they come to you, taking advantage of every opportunity. And I think not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think it's a good point to say when people talk to me and be like, you know, oh, I'm only shooting this or, you know, I can only get into peewee games or something like that's great. Take advantage of that. Absolutely. Like, in high school, I could be in the sidelines with the football players and things like that you, as a student, you know, and you can't do that at a pro game. Could no, you imagine no. you know, rubbing elbows with Tom Brady? and yeah. like, getting beside like, him in the huddle? Yeah, yeah, that's not happening. No. So so you, you immediately took to it. Were you someone who would shoot then all the time, even outside of your book? Were you just like, okay, I'm doing this? Definitely. Um, so yeah, I would definitely shoot all the time. What would I would go little photo trips that the local camera store um, presented. Were you up in Reno? Yeah, this was this was in Reno. So I was still in Reno. So basically, for my photography career, if you will, or photography path, really started in Reno. And so the local camera st- um, store would would do little getaways and things like that. And that's that, that's pretty cool. It was very cool. You You're know, right like, there in nature, too. Yeah, we, we had a lot of opportunities. You know, like $49, $79, they have little excursions that you can go on and take, take like a photo class, right. if you will. Because my school was a private Catholic school, so it was pretty okay. small. We didn't have a photography class. And so that's why I said I never, in high school, never took a photography class. And yearbook, yeah, she, we knew things, but I taught myself manual mode. I taught myself the best settings, the best practices, how to use a on-camera flash for okay. fo- night football games. I mean, at that point, oh. we didn't have ISO 6400, 64,000. No. We had ISO 800 yeah. <laughs> and a flash. Right. Did she help you then with like composition and stuff like that? Or she just kind of like let you go? I think she let me go. I think she could see I had, we'll say natural talent, okay. you know, at the time. Um, you know how it is. You look right. back at your work and you're like, when, how did anybody think I was ever going to be a good photographer? Right. <laughs> but you're judging yourself against other ninth and 10th graders. Yeah, yes. exactly. Correct. Yeah. You're not judging yourself against talent today. <laughs> and, that, and that's what people miss. Like, you were probably a really, really good sophomore photographer in your book, right? For, yeah, yeah. Against considering. Other, right. Across the country. You were pretty damn good. Yes. I'd Across the world, probably not so much, right? Yep. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's too... But that's okay. It, it, definitely. And, you know, you think you're the big, you know, you think you're, you know, I'll say it. I, I, was, I thought I was hot stuff at the, at the time. Sure. And I won awards. I was always entering things. And I was competing at a national level on several different scholastics. Um, scholastics was one of them I competed. And another one was called Skills USA. Okay. Um, they actually flew me, you know, so my school flew me to Kansas City to compete against all 50 states. And I, I came in top five my, my senior year. Jeez, that's so, great. Yeah, so, you know, I, I was definitely involved in photography and if I wasn't doing homework which we know <laughs> we won't get into that though I always always managed a really good grade point average okay. you know never got in trouble for my grades but I my mom knows this that I could have been a straight A student probably <laughs> if you know again photography was my drugs okay so so you were all in I was all in so what is your path in high school at that point are you thinking this could be a career my junior year, I start freelancing for the local newspaper, and I met the the photographer. I met the I met a photographer at a game, just you know, talking to him at, at net- a high school game. At a high school game, okay. correct. Um, so somewhat networking, and then I also started shooting for a weekly 
bi-weekly, weekly, depending on the week. Okay, sure. Is this, <laughs> and, now, was the paper with the Gazette, right? Yeah, the Reno okay. Gazette Journal um, is is who I started to freelance for. And I, you know, I would get picked up every couple, every 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 here and there. And I had a couple um, front page sports sections. And I even had, I had a feature story one time, get on the front page. Wow. A uh, travel feature, just right place, right time. So I was, I wouldn't say I was a regular or even a contributor, but they knew they could if they were if they were shorthanded on a weekend they could call me that's great so what was your gear at that point still with the rebel no so that was tendy so the Ooh, digital tendy so i was ex- yeah exactly <laughs> and that i think that helped me to be able to make deadlines and say hey i'm a student but i can i'm digital and i can email you a photo right um though like I said, my front page photo that I had, I actually shot that on film and had to, I went into their lab and they were like, all right, we're going to run it like, like old school. You know, right. they're like, we have the lab, we're going to run it for you. We'll see what you got. Like, so it was, it was a really cool learning experience being a high school student in the quote unquote, like big leagues. And, um, you know, just have, having somebody that cared, I think Reno biggest little city. I think that's right. a perfect description of it. You know, still small town, but still big enough to, you know, to get some major things, things through there. Did those photographers take to you and like help you out? I wouldn't say necessarily like not as the Reno, they, they were very friendly. First of all, okay. everybody was extremely friendly. I don't think they necessarily would. It wasn't, it wasn't a mentorship. It wasn't like they took me under their wings, okay. but they were extremely friendly. If I had questions, they would answer it. Um, I did have a photographer that kind of brought me under his wings, and he was a studio photographer. Okay. And so I think that's important um, that I met him. Um, his name's Frank Haxton. He still is a commercial photographer in Reno. Every chance I get, I say hi to him. And I think that's important to see how my career has progressed and why, I again, jumping ahead, why I went to Brooks Institute of Photography. Right. I think that has a lot to do with my career path. Okay. Is it something where were you... Did you even think about seeking out mentorship with those guys? Like, hey, could you help me out with this or explain to me that? Or were you just going for it? I was definitely going for it. I don't know if I didn't think about it or if they were too busy or, you know. Yeah, I'm sure the staff wasn't 28 guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're busy. Yeah, I, I think it was... I think I understood that they were there to help me if I needed help, but they have a job to do. Right. And I don't, there's a fine line between persistence and an annoyance, I think. And I think that's a very fine line. And I think I just wanted to tread on, um, you know, the ladder at the time. Right. So then you mentioned it. Where do you find Brooks? How does that somehow come across your radar? So my instructor, um, he he instructs me, Mr. Brooks, um, Burke, sorry, he I know Mr. Brooks, sorry, talking about Brooks. <laughs> so he he said you should really look into photography school. Like, have you considered it? And I was like, well, my parents went to St. Mary's of California in Moraga. It's okay. a great, again, kind of that Catholic school, great private school, amazing Catholic school. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, my dad wanted me to go into business and he, we have a, we have a family business. I, I think, you know, haven't really considered it too much because I'm 16 still. I know photography is my passion, but I don't quite know if I can make a living. And I think we touched on totally that. understandable. Touched yeah. on that. Like, Hey, I really like shooting sports. Do I want to be a journalist? You know, I think that was, right. that was at the time my 
only idea to become a professional photographer. And so I didn't really know too much about anything else at the time. So I look into Brooks. Again, everything I read, everything I find, it's the best out there. And then going back to meeting Frank Haxton, studio photographer, never thought I would want to shoot portraits or product or any of this quote unquote boring stuff. You know, I, I want to be there with the action, the game. I want to be on the field. And he shows me the other side of photography, the thinking about it, the creating, creating an image. You know, people say, oh, you don't, you know. I won't get into that, but actually physically, like the lights going here, my, this is what we're setting up. Like from start to beginning, this is my photo. Well, you say, let's not get into it. What were you going to say? Let's get into it. I mean, cause there's the creating part. I, I think when some people say you're creating a photo, it's like, oh, you like, um, how do I say in it? In product like, photography? Or in, in, general, in general, in general, like, oh, you're cr- like to say creating a photo seems you don't create a photo. You know, I don't know. People or making say it that. all to putting all the pieces together to then have a final product. Because like if you and I cover a baseball game, we're actually capturing what happens. There's it's it's much more difficult to create a photo in a baseball game because you're relying on them going from base to base and where the ball goes. Exactly. You're reacting, not, right. you know, a lot being of proactive. The, yeah, a lot of the creating maybe is finding a shaft of light or waiting for something. But in a product photography, you do have the ability to create. So was that something that you understood? Even at an early age, you were going to create? Or were you more of the I like to capture? Definitely on an early age, I was still, I like to capture. Okay. And it, but seeing that other side of photography was like, okay, there's more to photography and there's more that I need to learn. Yes. Because again, I'm, I'm still- It's a whole different slice. Yeah. Because I'm still thinking, oh, I know how to do manual exposure. I know how to get a sharp photo. You know, these these basic things that you, you, you take for granted. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh no, this guy, you know, uses lighting. He's, you know- yeah, he's he's making something. He's really creating a photograph, and so it's just like it, it was eye opening to be like, huh, this is this is more. This is what true photography kind of is in that sense of the artistic sense of photography. I think. Right. Yeah. No. It's um, especially when you're younger, to see those avenues in front of you. If you've only been a yearbook guy, it can blow your mind to be like, wow. You're actually shaping stuff with light. I had no idea you could do that. Exactly. Right? And, you know, you always get your your photo taken every year. And then you're like, it's so boring. It's like the right. flat light, you know, two 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 lights, 45 degrees, click, take, to fo- take a photo next. And so that's all. And then you take your family photos. And it's never anything... It's exciting. not thrilling, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you're not getting, you know, what what you used to see back in the day that ESPN, the magazine, used to produce, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those those images, even five, ten years ago, that was, that's what I, you know, was starting to grasp, like creating okay. a, a cool portrait, creating edge lights, creating, you know, what shadow are you going to do on somebody's face? And we definitely get into that more. But it was, that was the eye opener of like, okay, this is, this is more. Okay. Photography is not just sports photography for me. It can be more. It can be the whole, kind of like the whole picture. You know, photography, we're very, we're definitely focused in one area. I think a lot of the great photographers are like sports photography, portrait photography, studio photography, product photography. I think it just opened up more possibilities of what type of photographer I wanted to be at a younger age. So then where do you decide Brooks can be my jumping next jumping pad 
Yeah. So again, I never took a photography class. And I think I realized that it was great to have some mentors. It was great to have somebody say, hey, take this and run with it. But I also needed a solid foundation. And I wanted to learn lighting. And I think that's when the point of, I want to learn lighting. How do I do this? And yeah, I could have continued like an apprenticeship or something, but not that that's anything wrong for anybody, but my path I felt was going to Brooks. And after visiting the campus with, with my dad, I mean, they had without a doubt, a million plus dollars worth of equipment, camera equipment, computers, beautiful campus in Santa Barbara. You can't, right. can't understate oh, that. Jesus, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a good selling point. Hey, hey, kid, do you want to be in Santa Barbara or do you want or to Missouri. be? Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, again, Rochester. I mean, great schools, right. great schools, but location, location, location. Oh, yeah. So I decide Brooks 100%. Now, was dad open to it? Dad was very open to it. I think dad wanted to see what this is all about. Okay. And, you know, very supportive, very lucky in that fact that both my, you know, all my whole family was very supportive, brothers and uh, and both parents. Okay. So you decide, I'm going to Santa Barbara. How was it? Eye-opening? Some, some of the most three fun years of my life, for okay. sure. It's college. Let's, now, you, you went, know. what, 05 through 08? Okay. Yeah. So... Brooks is a it's was a diff- yeah it's a different beast at that point yeah so it's it's a three year bachelor program and so that's what I decided to do was the three year bachelor program and so you actually went to school during summer which hey if you have to be anywhere in summer Santa right. Barbara's not a terrible place, place. yeah there's worse places <laughs> yes so did you have PF and Rickman who were your instructors so they did there was more, a huge change yeah so there was a lot of people there i know of everybody who you're talking about i went to the commercial photography side of okay. it in santa barbara and they were more of the vj visual journalism program in ventura okay so you went full in on that commercial side yes how was that it was phenomenal and it was difficult in the very beginning because like i said i think uh, you know 18 years old be like, yeah, I've already worked professionally, quote unquote, had right. my, got my feet wet, big fish, small pond. You go to Brooks, you're no longer a big fish. You're no longer in a small pond. You're no longer, like you said earlier, you're with people from not only around the country that are great, you're from people around the world that are great. And so when you have critiques day after day and you're seeing your butt get kicked literally out there and you produce some of your work and you're like, this is some of the best work I've ever produced. And then the, everybody else is producing even greater work than you. You're just like, why? Oh my God, I think I made a mistake. Like, I'm not a good photographer. So it's it's eye-opening, you know? It's definitely like, oh, wow. Like, there are some talented people out there. How did you take to it? Did you recoil or did you accept it and be like, for a challenge? I, I definitely accepted it as, as a challenge. Okay. And I think that if I would have recoiled, we wouldn't be talking today. Right, because I saw a lot of guys shrinkle up, just go. They're done. They just couldn't. They, they thought they were like the legit guy. They show up and they were done. They couldn't take the pressure, the amount of work, like it was over. I mean, Brooks's Brooks' crazy statistic is 50% of students drop out within the first six months. Right. I mean, could you imagine going to school and half your classmates are done before year one? And you know that going in. <laughs> and they tell you that. Right. Like, you know, if that happened at Stanford or Harvard or Yale, uh, you know, people wouldn't sign up and give that kind of money, but they did at Brooks. 
Yes. Well, I mean, and it was a challenge. It was. It was. And I don't like to get into Brooks being expensive, but it was expensive. Right. And I will, you know, I had student loans, but I will say this: my parents did help me a little bit, and I am very blessed and thankful for them for doing that and giving me the opportunity that I needed. Right. But we all had to take those student loans, and mm-hmm. I knew people who had to take a lot of student loans. And with the new political news out there, it's definitely a hot topic. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So at that moment when you're there, how long did it take you to like feel like you were comfortable in that commercial photographer atmosphere? Because it's a lot different than all of a sudden the high school yearbook. Yeah, it is. I, even though I went to the commercial aspect of the program at Brooks, I still had the mindset that I would be a sports photographer. Okay. And I knew that I wanted, I still wanted to do that, but I thought that this education would help me further my career down the line, understanding lighting. And I think with the portraits I've, I've done in the past for NFL and MLB, um, spring training and, you know, a bunch of other commercial clients that I've been able to shoot with, um, not to drop some names, but like Gatorade, K-Swiss, no, drop Skechers, yeah. uh, Kia, you know, these, all these top 500, Fortune 500 companies, that's who. That's how you get paid, right? You know these. And I, and I don't want to shit on anybody, but I will. But you can tef- You can absolutely tell who are the guys that understand lighting. So, right, like MLB. We'll take that. When I was there with the Angels, I know guys had to shoot literally in closets. You had zero. Oh, yeah. You had zero space. But you would have people bitch and whine and fight and and say, I still want to use this softbox and they were using it wrong and they were using the wrong modifiers and they weren't having their subjects from the right distance or the correct distance from a wall. And you can see when the photos came out who knew how to use the tools they had and who didn't. And more than likely, there were way too many newspaper guys that still to this day don't understand lighting. Your images don't show that. They absolutely show that you were taught properly and you understand distance from subject, distance from light, correct modifiers, how to properly applicate them to your subject. Like you don't just keep going, I'm going to use a beauty dish. It's not going to work. Like whether it's distance, skin tone, uniform color, because a lot of times you're using a lot of white uniforms. So you have to know certain light doesn't work with white. Just, that's it. You can't do highlights. You're going to be blown out. You'll have no information. So when I look at your images, you can see you were trained properly. It shows. Well, I'm glad. I'm definitely, I will agree. I think, too, like you said about Media Day, you're put in a closet sometimes, a literal closet. Or literal literal, literal bathroom is always my favorite yes. to be. Or the, the literal washing room. Like, yes, and it definitely separates the men from the boys. And even a trained photographer sometimes could crumble in that situation when you're like, wait, I don't have my 12 foot ceilings and I don't have, you know, a hundred by a hundred foot studio right. to work in. Yeah. You like, showed up with eight foot <laughs> paper and you've only got a seven foot space. Make it work. Yep. I, that's why I bring a, a saw with me because yeah. I've cut paper literally yeah. in a parking lot to be like, well, I, I, this is, and you don't know a lot of times ahead of time where you're going to be. No. And it was, uh, when the four years we did it, it was the most difficult challenge for me to have to tell, you know, person X, like, I'm sorry, I understand you are with the LA Times, but this is the best spot I can give you. I apologize. Our facilities are not adequate. 
we don't have the proper space. This is a joke. And it was one of the battles I would have with the organization. They'd be like, well, we've made it work for years. Okay, I don't care. This is not right. Like, you have to give these guys a chance. Because it's the only time you get to sit and have Mike Trout for three minutes. Well, Mike Trout, maybe not three minutes, but definitely a you know, minute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you're not going to get him, though. Oh, can I get you in a couple months? And I'll see you in July. And then I'll get you again. Like, you only get these guys one time. And if you've only got so much time in a really bad space, you got to make it work. And it always used to kill me that, that that's, I would have to tell certain people, I'm sorry. I get it. But this, and, this and is truth, all I can give you. Truth be told, the Angels are one of the better ones. Right. I mean, honestly, and you haven't been there in recent years, but the last couple of years, the organization across the board, at least uh, for media days, because I remember doing them with you for sure. I mean, it's like if you get him, you get him. If he walks past your station and he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have to do it. Oh. But now the organization's at least a lot better. I think I think somehow somehow somebody got a memo of like, you that have to actually from, organize yes. this. It came from MLB. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica's really uh, come down on everybody and said, no, you guys have got to get your act together. Well, it, and, I, and I'll say this, it drives me nuts when the players don't take it seriously. Like when they wouldn't shave or they wouldn't have the right gear. And it's like, come on, man. You're going to be on a fat head with a you know four-day-old scruff or you know, Trout has six hairs on his face, but he doesn't shave them. It's like, come on, put some effort in this. This is like going to be on a kid's poster or on a cup somewhere. Like... Put some effort into it. Definitely. You know, it's it can definitely be frustrating. Um, it's And it sucks because it's 6 a.m. a lot of times. Yes. Your call time, 6 a.m. I mean, that's what time you, you wake up shooting these guys, 6, 6.30 a.m. And I get it. Like, I definitely think it needs to be presented like, hey, you only have to do this one day out of the year. It's only a couple hours. And it's, it's a photo. It will last forever. <laughs> forever. And be used on everything. It, oh, my. Everything. All my, all my photos, all those portraits get used hundreds of times over again. Right. And so many times you don't even see them on places. Like you weren't, you didn't see it when it was in Tokyo or in Spain, or you just didn't see it when it was in New York. Like it happens all the time. So I wish these organizations and in some leagues would take it more serious. That's just my pet peeve for the year. <laughs> so at your time at Brooks, were you happy? Very happy. Um, definitely college experience. Thriving thriving. I will say this about Brooks though. Brooks isn't the typical party school. It is an art school, but it's work. Like you said, your, your professors, professors treat you like a professional from day one. There is no late turning in anything late. If any, if something isn't done correctly or presentation, oh my God, presentation was like drilled into you. Yes. They would, you know, we would have to make prints and we would have to mount them on, on mount board. And then we would have to usually put a, um, a mat over them. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't done correctly, it was, that wasn't graded. No. It, Cause you, you didn't finish the project. Pretty much. I mean, and I personally didn't see, but I, I heard, I heard a story. The professor got the print, took it off the piece of paper, the mat board on the back and gave the mat board to the person and said, this is more valuable than your photo. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, to hear that, like that's, it was brutal. I think, I definitely think they tried 
to crack you in a sense. It's like the military, you know, right. you're like, hey, break you down in the first six months, build you back up for the next um, two and a half years right. and make some great, great photographers. Because there will be a client who's going to do that to you, whether it's an art director or a creative director, you're going to deal with difficult situations in life. And if you can't handle it now, you're not going to handle it in five years. Yeah. And I think it's to be a perfectionist and to demand perfection because that's what your clients are going to demand. I think that's what they were showing is like, hey, you're, you're getting paid thousands of thousands of dollars if you're doing your job correctly and you're, you know, in that realm of commercial photography. People expect perfection. Yeah. And a story. There's no but, wait, no, done. You'll never hear that art director from Gatorade again. You're done. 110%. Because there's so many other people in line right behind you that will mount the board, right? <laughs> Was there one, photo- one professor that really lit a fire under your ass and got you going, got you in the right direction, gave you really good feedback? I think I was always the be- my worst critic and my best cheerleader, if you will. I was always like, hey, if you're not going to do this, nobody else is going to do this for you. I was always like, hey, this shot, you got killed by everybody else in the class. Like, you know, everybody else did better than you. Do better next time. I will say Joanne Kalitri okay. helped me get my foot in the door into ESPN. And that was really important looking back on my magazine, ESPN, ESPN, Okay. the, the corporation, the corporation, the the TV station. So, um, it's so weird back then. Yeah. ESPN, the magazine magazine, or corporate or yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my, um, she helped me get an internship to be the event, uh, one of the event staff photographers for the X games. So I came to her and I said, Hey, the X games are coming to town. I would love to shoot this. How do I present myself? to be able to, to do this properly. Is this an 06? I think this is 06. Yes. What? what because my son was born in 06 in that May and I was covering that and my wife's like at any moment ready to go into labor and I'm like, I've got the, you know, men's big jump. We gotta move <laughs> this along. Yeah. And so I, w- I knew that, you know, like you said, there's a thousand people who wanna shoot this. I don't wanna come off as a fanboy. Right. That's first, first and foremost. It's like, I want this to be my job. And I know I'm not a professional yet, but I want to get my foot in the door. So I found out who I needed to contact. I did all the legwork and she's like, I'm going to help present you and say, hey, you know, I'm his instructor. We're, you know, we'll work something out as an internship. And that's how it worked out as an internship for the first time. That's big for her to do that. Exactly. And then after, you know, after that, I get a call a month later and say, hey, Rick, um, we loved one of your photos that you that you did. It's going to be used for next year's promotion as a as a poster. Okay. And I was like thrown away that my image that I shot, ESPN's going to use it, going to get a little money for it, which was great. And you know, it was, it was definitely a thrill. Wow. That's big. It was, it was huge for me. It was definitely a stepping stone in the right direction. So you get your, all your stuff done at Brooks, you graduate. Why do you decide like, I'm going to stay in the sports market or go to the sports market and not keep your venturing into commercial photography? It's still my dream. My dream is still to be a sports photographer um, at that point and still to this day. And again, I knew Brooks was going to be what I needed for my future, what I needed to learn for lighting and everything like that and using, I knew I would use my skills later and I still wanted to be a sports photographer. And even though I didn't necessarily go to school to be a sports photographer, 
I still wanted that. And that was something that, that was my passion. That's what I wanted. And speaking about, you know, leaving Brooks, my first job was a photo editor at the NFL with Ben Liebenberg, who I met at the X Games when he was working for Wire Image. Right. And so that's how things kind of come full circle. And you're like, wow, from doing, you know, networking, doing the things the right way, trying to get your foot in the door, you meet the right people. And at the right time, things seem to come together. Right. So sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time. Be yep. willing to raise your hand, say yes, you'll do it. Yeah, luck is when preparation and skill meet. Right. So what's your first job out of Brooks then? Is it the editing position? It's, it's a photo editor with the NFL. So I got, um, I was was with them. And I worked three to four days a week, depending on, you know, scheduling and things like that. And so obviously that's enough to pay my bills, to live in L.A., which as everybody knows, LA is expensive. <laughs> yes. So I'm making just enough money to make ends meet, like quite literally ends meet. <laughs> and so I'm like, I still need to do my dream. I still need to follow that. Like, it's great what I'm learning. It's great professional experience and it's great. It's great experience period, but I still needed to freelance and I still needed to assist to learn more things. Okay. And so I definitely was looking at other photographers' work that I wanted to assist and help out with. And so L.A. has a lot of great photographers. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. So who'd you look at? Um, Dustin Snipes was one of them. Okay. I mean, great guy. I still talk to him every now and again, but we used to we used to be talking almost every day, it felt like. Okay. Either, you know, just being friends or be like, oh, I got the shoot here. Can you help me out on this shoot? Or, um, hey, um, he was still shooting also, you know, for Icon Sportswire. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, he was working for them. So we had a lot of, lot of similarities and definitely wanted to go in that direction. And also guys like anybody who worked at SI, Sports Illustrated. Sure. I mean, we had Peter Reed Miller. We had John McDonough. We had Robert Beck. Um, who am I missing? That's just that's, locally. That's the local guys. Those were the three. Yep. Yeah. So those were the three main guys. And I was, I was on their radar trying to, hey, you need, you need anything. You call me. I will help you out. And as you know, they had their go-to guys. Right. But whenever they needed an extra hand, I helped out a couple of times. And that helped me get my foot in the door and see that side of things, too. That, absolutely. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Did you feel at that point you were going in the right direction? I did. You know, it's it's slow, slow and steady. Sure. And I was working every day, though. Okay. You know, it's not... The NFL job helps. The NFL job definitely helps. I'm working three to four days a week at the, at the league office in Culver City, and then I'm shooting everything I can, men's basketball, you know, college basketball, college football, even soccer, volleyball, freelancing for anybody who will give me a chance. And then I'm assisting other photographers, trying to do whatever I can. And I'm working eight days a week. Wow. You know. Just whatever you can do. Whatever I can do doubles, you know, call, call up NFL, be like, hey, can I work the morning this shift so that way I can make it in time to Staples Center to shoot a L.A. Kings game? Right. You know, that type of thing. Are you feeling at this point, this is, you know, 2008, 9, 10, that your eye is developing and you're developing as a photographer? Yes. And I think that's the important part of also shooting, but also being a photo editor. I think... When you talk to a lot of people, you realize that they were a photo editor. And it, I, I don't yes. think people actually 
people don't realize that or don't know that about a lot of photographers. It's like, wait, you were a photo editor before you did this? Or like, and it's like, yeah, when, you, when I was working for the NFL, I would look at 10, 20, 30,000 images a day, easily. And when you look at that many images, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and right. you know what you're picking to use, so then you know what other clients are probably picking to use as well. So it develops your eye to look what other people are looking for and what sells. And because a lot of my jobs are sales-based or um, stock photography, I still do a lot of stock photography where I get compensated based on the number of images I sell and um, to who I sell them for. That was really important. So the more images I can sell, the more money I'm going to make. Right. And then you actually see what's actually working. Like what's a good photo when you're, when you're an editor, you can actually oh, see that process. You can definitely see it, especially when you type in, you know, at the time you, you type in anybody, LaDamian Tomlinson okay. using his, his image all the time. He's, you know, still a great running back. And you can see when you type his name in, in the search, you get 10,000 results. Not all 10,000 of those images are great. No. And you get to see what works, what doesn't work. Right. Especially that input, that 20,000 on a Sunday coming in, you get to see photographers work from all over the country and you get to see the good and the bad. So by seeing that, did that, you feel, speed up your growth? 100%. It definitely sped up my growth. I'm just the, it's, it's volume. It's, it's practice. You know, no matter how much talent you have, if whatever sports player you talk to, they'll tell you, Mike Trout, He'll tell you he's a, he got talent, but he will also tell you he works harder than anybody else at his craft. And I, I believe that being a photo editor allows you to speed up that process. Oh, absolutely. So what was then becoming your game preposition or preparation for a game? Like when you were going to, let's say, a football game at that point, what were you doing? What was your mindset? My mindset was beat traffic. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's LA. it's LA. It's LA. So in order to beat traffic, it's no longer okay to get there three hours early, three and a half hours, four hours early to any event that I was going to. It wouldn't be... If I was going to photograph a LA Kings game at Staples Center, I would leave my house, house if 7.30 puck drop. I'm leaving my house... 2.45, 3 o'clock to get there before 4 o'clock, so that way I have plenty of time for a game. Oh, we said football, though, right? But in, uh, in, in anything. USC football. USC football, okay. Saturday morning. Game, game starts at 1. I'm leaving my house no later than 9 o'clock to get there by yeah, 9.30. You're Luckily, tailgating. Yeah, tailgating. So you don't get that at Staples Center, but you get that at football. Definitely. And so I'm there three and a half hours early. I go to the workroom, um, which... Uh, USC's on the field. It's okay. the best and worst workroom in the in the league for right. football. It's like you're right there, but there's no cover from anything, you know. But it's it's. Um, but are you thinking? Let's say, who was your, like one of your early clients? Let's say 2011. Who are you shooting for an SC game for? So 2011 shooting SC, I'll probably be working for Icon Sportswire, which is an agency based in Los Angeles. Right. So was your process then, okay, I'm going to shoot a lot of stuff to get on deadline to get on the wire, or are you thinking I'm going to try to get a lot of stock, great images of Coach X, Quarterback X, Wide Receiver X? What's, what's your process? What's crazy is you have to do both because you need to make your client happy in the sense that you need to make those deadline images that you know the client... 
Icon needs those images to go out to ESPN and Sports Illustrated and um, even MSNBC or whoever's going right. to use the those wires. images yep. for, for news-related content. But then you also need those other stock-related images for stories that are going to go maybe when he's get when he gets drafted in a couple months from now, he's going to appear on Sports Illustrated, the magazine, a couple months later because they're doing a story on him being drafted. Mm-hmm. So you need that image to make them bigger money because the website sales aren't going to make you rich. They add up in time. It's really at the in 2011, you wanted the the cards, so the playing cards like Panini or Tops, mm-hmm. and you wanted magazines. You could make a couple hundred dollars depending on the placement and size of the image for a magazine sale. And you're like, hey, you make enough of those, you're you're doing okay. Right. Was that easy for you in the in the beginning to understand the deadline and the stock photography? I wouldn't say it was easy. But I understood it. I, okay. and, and again, learning, learning through the process of being a photo editor, seeing what's being used day in and day out, definitely helped me learn that faster than the average person, I feel like. Okay. When you're, and we'll jump ahead, but when you're doing that now, like this weekend, when you were covering what, you had the bills, right? Yeah, I was in, I was in Buffalo this okay. last weekend. Are you, again, working as on deadline or are you thinking stock or are you thinking historical for the NFL? How are you where what hat are you wearing and how often? Again, it's it's all three. It's all three hats that you're wearing at the same time because the NFL needs the deadline stuff, but okay. they also need now they also cuz I'm the photographer at the game, they're going to need a story. They're going to do a story on Stefan Diggs probably, you know? He broke he was the leading wide receiver. There's going to be a lot of stories about him. They're going to need photos of him. Josh Josh Allen, the quarterback, they're going to need a lot of photos of him. Uh, Lamar Jackson's, you know, losing the losing in the playoffs. They're going to need that story image of him, but he's also an MVP candidate any year he plays he won the mvp um either last year or two years ago he won the mvp right so again there's all these storylines oh and then the bills you know not winning or winning their first game in 20 years historical right. um covid just the, the amount of fans like so you're wearing all these hats at the same time luckily nowadays we have what's called it we call it like a jet pack and so it's attached to our hip and so at the touch of the button, we are FTPing our JPEGs live to an editor in Los Angeles. Are you picking your photos? You're just sending them all the JPEGs. I am picking the photos I send to them. Okay. So it's not to the point where we can send all 5,000 images right. during a game. It's to the point where we send 200, 300 images in but a game. But you're the point, man, then. You're also editing on the spot because you're making the decision. You're the first person to make that decision. I'm going to go with this photo, not that one. Yeah. Honestly, it's a lot easier than it used to be sure. back. But, but you still have to be editor. You still have to think like an editor, correct. You still have to think, all right, I'm, I'm, I know NFL needs the, a certain photo to, to run in their homepage. So on the front page of NFL.com, they always need to be refreshing that image with fresh content. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that ahead of time going into my game. So that's why it's important for me to get the big plays and to get them fresh images so that way they can have something to choose from. So that way it's not at the same photo for you know right i mean social media and the internet have made things where we used to think oh we could hold that onto that for an hour it's minutes it's seconds you know sure. it's, it, the time is just gone it's you have to be instant so walk me let's 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 do this walk me through your buffalo process how do you how do they because it's always they it's somebody's <laughs> they yeah decide rick you're going to buffalo 
So there is somewhat of a seniority situation. So I was able la- the previous week to pick my games first. I was like, hey, I would love to shoot these games first and if they're available. You get? I got, so I did get Buffalo and I got Tennessee. So okay. I got both day games. That's okay. why I picked them. Okay. I wanted to get both of the day games. And I got two games where most people got one. Okay. So, so you went to Tennessee and then went to Buffalo or which um, the was? previous week so the previous week I actually was Buffalo then Tennessee okay. and then home so, so you're working your way west yeah working my way back home so then the following week it's like hey I understand I got my way last week so whatever you need me to be this week is where it is okay and of course the game I don't want to go don't tell anybody is Buffalo because I was just there right right you know? and you and want some mixture yeah I always want the mixture I always want to be there but I'm like hey you know what I completely understand and it's a team effort you know there's there's 10 other guys that you're working with that are credentialing with the NFL. Right. So, you know, be a team player. And so me and another photographer are going to Buffalo. So you two guys are covering the game. Yes. What do you decide? You've been there the week prior. What gear are you taking? Camera wise or to stay warm? Both. (laughs) Because now you've gone from a day game. It's a week later. Temperatures can change in upstate New York. You can be freezing your hooey. Oh, oh yeah. So it was a mild, mild game that, you know, two weeks before. And then this game was going to be in the low 30s, high 20s. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing my parka basically. And I'm bringing three layers of everything. So three, I'm bringing, you know, long johns, pair of jeans, and then some uh, rain, rain pants. Mm -hmm. Just for that extra layer on my, on my pants. And then some thick boots. Thick socks, wool socks. I bring my gloves that I can take off the index finger and the thumb so I can actually press the buttons if I need to. Right. But during the game, I, I don't do that much. And okay. I'm and we're buying the extra large heat warmers, <laughs> the heat okay. packs, the hand warmers right. to keep the hands warm. You're wearing a knit cap or something? Oh, yeah. And, and I'm wearing the knit cap. I'm wearing, okay. you know, a beanie. And then, you know, luckily, we all have to wear a mask. It's, you know, right. 2020. Right, mask. And so, you're wearing the NFL vest. And I'm wearing the NFL vest. Right. So, so then what gear do you take? So right now, the gear I'm running with is the Canon R5 system. Okay. And I am a pers- personally love the system. And I've heard mixed reviews from other sports photographers. And I will say there is a learning curve. And I will say that my pet peeve is that they don't have the 1DX batteries in them. They have the 5D batteries, mm-hmm. so the smaller batteries. So in between, you know, in between the the, the quarters, I'm changing out batteries. And those which are two on a vertical grip, right? Two on a vertical grip, yeah. So it's more batteries, more chargers. Yeah. So yeah. okay, why did you decide to make that switch? So it's a mirrorless system. Mm-hmm. I really do believe mirrorless is is the future. Um, it was either spend. Four thousand dollars there, or spend sixty-five hundred dollars on the One DX Mark III, and so I thought saving the extra money and going mirrorless now, with still the twenty frames per second, still having the eye focus, having all that new technology was a worthwhile investment. And you only bought one camera. I bought two. Oh, you bought two. I when I go in, I go all in. So how much is it per camera? It's four thousand dollars per so camera. You, had, you end up doing eight. So I end up doing eight, and okay. you have to get the grip, and so the so I have to get the Ethernet grip, which is an extra grand. Of I course found out it later. is. Yeah. Of course I'm it here. is. So so I'm at ten thousand dollars for my cameras. Okay, so that's a commitment. That's a full on commitment. To new technology. To new technology. So you're only taking two cameras or you take three? I normally, on a regular NFL season, will take three. However, with COVID, we're not allowed on the field. We shoot from the first row of the stands. So that limits... Even the NFL? Because, you know, it's weird. You look at some stadiums on TV 
Everybody's got different rules. Yeah, so they allow NFL films to be on a limited number of NFL films to be on the field, and right. each team gets two passes for the field, and they they can decide whoever whoever they want to be on it. Okay. Some teams do two video. Some people do. Some teams do a photo and a video. Some teams do social media and video. Some you know you can mix and match however you want. They they, they say you have two people. They have to be in. The COVID protocol, though, they get tested every day. Oh God! To go do that, so that's one of the reasons we're not allowed to do that is because we're traveling. I'm right. in a different state, different city every weekend, so it's just physically impossible to to be in the COVID what protocol. What a pain in the ass to make a picture. <laughs> so, I mean, it is. You're just trying to work. <laughs> Come on. So there you are. You're going to take your two R's. What else do you take with you? So again, because we're shooting from further away, being in the first row of the stands, I would normally bring a 400-millimeter uh, 2.8. Okay. I'm using the 600 F4 now. Okay. So I'm giving that you know extra reach. And now my favorite go-to lens for COVID, which I don't see other too many other photographers using, so I guess I'm giving it away a little too late for everybody. It's all right. <laughs> is the 100 to 400. Okay. And it's, it's a 4 to 5.6, which I thought would really bug me. Um, I, love depth, I love having 2.8. Shooting sure. wide open, just blurring out that background, making everything crisp, subject crisp, background out of focus. So I'm thinking to myself, 5.6? Who the hell shoots at 5.6? Right. <laughs> no, that's... Ugh. That's just, that's my, 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 my train of thought when I'm shooting sports. That a boy. But I'm using it. <laughs> And the versatility is just amazing. The What made you think of it? Go, okay, I'll try the one to four. I went on a trip to Antarctica. Okay. I couldn't, it wasn't practical to bring a 400 millimeter 2.8, but I knew I needed, I wanted some reach. And, you know, wildlife photographers always use the 100 to 400. And Canon, a couple of years ago, introduced a version two of that lens. So I was like, great, it's finally to the sharpness of quality that I expect from, from everything that I own. I'm, I read the reviews, said, I'm going to bring this. So I bring it to Antarctica. It's tack sharp. Um, the IS works great if I do something in low light. Okay. It's, I mean, so I'm not, and in daytime, you know how it is. You don't need, you know, you can bump up your ISO if you need to, but most of the time in daytime, you can still get two thousandth of a shutter at 5.6 right, right. all day long and you're surrounded by white it's and, the arctic and, well yeah. antarctic yeah we're, we're surrounded by white it's a bouncer so, flag <laughs> yeah every everything's perfect the penguins are, perf are perfectly happy yeah um so anyways using that that lens i was like you know what this is going to be good enough for sports it's going to keep up with it so with you, the action. you said um, let's give it a shot let's give it a shot and it worked out phenomenally just the range of 100 to 400 i loved to be in the end zone so is my red it was my red zone. Are you keeping of, it around your neck? I or? always carry my shoulder. Okay, your shoulder. My, my, my right shoulder. So that way it's easy to get to with my right hand. Okay. This year, I didn't switch cameras mid-play as much as I, I did in previous years. Well, this is all weird now. It's really difficult. You're standing a lot of times you're, or, or you're in an awkward position. Yeah, you you're, got a wall. It's, off. Yeah. it's totally different. This it's, year is a complete wash on so, shooting. Most of the time when I'm shooting, if, if you know, if Tom Brady throws a deep ball into the end zone, I'm shooting, I'm still holding on to the 600 and hope I get something cool with a six, sure. even if it's too tight. You know, and we, I used to do that every now and again, you know, back in the day with, back in the day, right. 2019, yeah. <laughs> when we're on the field, you know, but most of the time I would be able to switch the 7200. 
Okay. Now, are you getting from Ben or another editor at the NFL, Rick, we want this, or we didn't like that, or don't ever do that again, or keep doing this? Are you getting any of that kind of feedback, yes, encouragement, or you know, slap on the ass? <laughs> so I'll, I'll start with the, the feedback is instantly. We, we work on a Slack channel, so I think a lot of companies use Slack now. Okay. And it's just you know, a messaging device. And I, every time I send in a photo, um, not every time, but most of the time when I'm sending in photos, I'll give them a heads up. Hey, this is coming in. Number 21's coming. A photo of number 21's in. Like they might need the running back or they might need somebody mm-hmm. or quarterbacks are in. That's really important in the beginning of the game. Sure. It's something that the NFL always wants, quarterbacks. So it's like, all right, quarterbacks are in. Good to go. Or we say um, abbreviation GA, game action. So I'll just say GA. And they know game action, Rick sent something, be on the lookout. On the FTP, I'll say TD, you know, field, FG, field goal. So we use abbreviations to let them know what we're sending in live, you know, as, as close to live and instantaneous as possible. Right. And they usually just say thanks. And like you said, sometimes they have requests be like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but we need a photo of Stefan Diggs because he's breaking, he's about to break this record. Or, hey, Stefan Diggs is really hot. We need a photo of him, you know, going back to the Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be on the lookout, be like, oh, I might have missed him that play, but I'll make sure to get him the next play to get him. So we're definitely giving instant feedback back and forth of, hey, we need this, we might need that. And there's definitely some good communication going on. Are you getting any any, I guess, communication after the game? That was a good game. That was a bad game. I've know. definitely, uh, when I have a, I will say. Or are you seeking it? Are you even asking? A lot of, you know, a lot of times I, I don't seek it because at this level, you can't have a bad game. And if you have a bad game, that means you didn't perform for your client. And that's, we all know that's bad. I will say this, whenever I get a great image, I will, you know, always a comment on a great image. And I, I, it's, it's just pre, much appreciated, especially this year. It's been tough. Like you said, shooting, shooting from the stands, not only are you limited to your shooting positions, but you can't run up and down the field. I'm missing half the plays I used to get at a normal oh, NFL game. Yeah. So you're stuck in an area. You, you're, very, you're basically stuck in an area, or if you need to get to the other side of the field, it's very difficult. You have to go up, up rows, um, through fans, up concourses. I mean, you're doing social 20 distance. flights. You're, you're staying right. social distance. You're doing 20 flights of stairs there and back. It's very, it can be very difficult, and you miss plays when you're moving. You know that. Right. And so any amount of time that you're moving and missing that play, that's bad. Right. So to limit that, sometimes I would hold on to a position longer than I normally would. Right. But I would say the feedback is is limited, but it's good. You know, no news is good news. I, 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 I'm kind of a proponent of that. And whenever you, you get that attaboy, it's always great to hear. Right. What's your post game then? process. You got all these images. What are you doing? So luckily, we've been able to streamline our process over the years. It used to be we would have to go through edit. We would edit our own galleries back in the day. So we would actually select the images that we were picking and doing that. Um, Now they were able to streamline that through their content management system and things like that. And also, the NFL team has grown both with photographers and photo editors. So we have more people on on deck, so to speak. So it's great to have all these people working together to, to make everything happen. So my game day process this year has been really easy. First of all, there's no fans. So there's no more waiting an hour 
two hours for everybody to leave. Yeah. We can just almost leave and go to the airport instantly. But I just take my time. I unpack. I kind of unwind. I upload my images to my computer. So that way they're in two spots. Okay. Kind of a, you know, I, so I don't delete my images. They're still on the, hard, the memory card. And now they're on the hard drive of my computer. Okay. So images in two spots. I think that's important that people don't realize, like, if you lose one or the other, you don't have them anymore. No, no, no. And so I think that goes back to commercial photography where you have them in three spots at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, on most shoots that I do, we'll have two hard drives and a laptop. And I've heard of I've heard of people staying in separate hotel rooms with hard drives oh, on yes. shoots. Oh, I, I, I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. I've given somebody an extra hard drive. I've given it to people to go on a plane ahead. Like, because you, you, we can't lose this. Yeah. If it does, we just spent two weeks or four days or millions of dollars and there's no second get second chance i'm more like really sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. tsa oh just, you know those guys yeah, yeah. tsa oh i've I, tsa like you know what honestly they've been really good this year especially what they've had to deal with and you see people not complying with the mass and things like that they've been really good but in years past man you'd be like oh please don't drop that or you know like you put something on the conveyor belt and you're just like you know Without fail, I would say 50% of the time, I get a bag check Sure. with all my camera equipment. They're like, uh, what do you have in here? We're going to take a look. Yeah. And I'm just like, please don't drop that. Please don't drop that. Yeah. <laughs> I need it for Buffalo. So in my research of you, I saw that now you've got representation, right? You, yes. You got some. How did that come, come across? When did you decide you needed an agent? It's not something you decide, to be completely honest. I think a lot, you know, that you know, like if you have to ask, you're not ready for it. Okay. It's kind of, I feel like that's how it is with agents. And then it's not a fix all. I think people think that getting no, an agent's yeah. a fix all. No, no. I've been fortunate enough, I've been working with Alex for a couple years now. It's through Creative Picnic. And it was just a really good fit. Um, and they're more of a boutique agency. Mm-hmm. So that, that helped me too. And I think it was just a good fit for them. They need a sports person in their portfolio as well. They, have a, they had a lot of, at the time, they, they weren't branching out in the, into that area. And so I feel like it was a good marriage um, for us. It's been slow. I'm not going to lie. It's well, been a slow year. But that's because of COVID. But being able to work with somebody and being like, um, you know, I've done couple proposals this year didn't get any of them but it's it's nice to have that um extra hand for sure to be like hey what do you think like when we do this what do you think and they help with all the numbers and i i will always say photographers are bad business people for the most part no like, I think, it's no <laughs> not uh, they are and so let's talk about it i think i've always considered myself business savvy where'd you get it my dad okay. i got it from my dad um he's always been a businessman entrepreneur um always told me how to you know earn money save money whatever you want have good credit you know all those things that they should teach in school to be quite frankly oh, there yeah. should be a finance class in school but it should be mandatory. It should be mandatory. And, you know, so him owning his own business, he, he helped me set up my um, LLC. He helped me set up um, 
my business license is. He helped me find the right tax person with me for me, which luckily it's a family. I consider him a family friend now since my dad's known him for 15 years doing his his taxes and now he gets to do my taxes. Right. So there's a lot of things there that I'm not going to lie that were a lot easier because my dad taught me or my dad knew somebody was like, oh, I've already done this. So this is I'll help you and walk you through how you do it. And again, he's the type of person that doesn't just say, I'm going to do it for you. He helps you along the way. So I'm learning the process as well. So now I can help other photographers and other people, you know, whenever they have questions. It is just a just god awful, just absolutely god awful how piss poor photographers manage, mismanage their money. Just no clue on either how to bill a client, understanding income, taxes, LLC to and not to. Like they just. They're all very artsy-fartsy and have no idea about the business side of it, and it kills most of them. It definitely does. It, it's it's quite sad. You have these, um, I know, super amazing, more talented photographers than I will ever be, but I know I make more money than them, or I know I'm more successful than them, and it has nothing to do with talent, and it's just the fact that I did the right things at the right time, and I'm very fortunate for that. I'm very lucky. You understand lucky. the business side. Yes, business there is very is important. There is a business side to photography unless you work at the LA Times for your whole life and they prop you up with a 401k and they give you a company car and the salary comes and you get your 2% raise every year and you're smart enough to invest a little bit of something you're going to be okay but if you're freelancing or if you're out in the real world you'll get destroyed you won't last a minute it's real and you know think about the last 10 years that we've had of those guys who were staffed for 15, 20, 25 years, and then they get let go so my dearest out, friends, into the, yeah. out into the open like that. And like you said, a salary job, 401k, like they're set, honestly, like mm-hmm. their salaries, honestly, not the greatest. But when you add all those other things, it's a fine lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. But then you get dumped. Wow. I'm, I may feel for those guys. Yeah. What computer do I buy? Where do I get my camera gear? What do you mean? I have, a, have to have a business license. It just starts adding up mm-hmm. and they don't have a chance. So- how do you go about developing clients? What's your strategy? What do you, what do you do? I would say the first thing you have to do is make have good work, produce good work. So that way, once and I would say the second part of that is be able to show your work. So I have a website, and I'm always top page on Google if you search Los Angeles sports photographer. Okay, give it a plug. What's your website? Tapiaphoto. There we go. Take a look. <laughs> yeah. So tapiaphoto.com. But now, why do I- you think you're the hot? You're if you put in sports photographer LA, you get there. Multiple reasons. So again trying to be business savvy, trying to learn things for myself, I learned about SEO, search engine optimization. And so I learned that if you put in certain phrases, hopefully that will boost what people are looking for. So I had to think to myself, what do I want to be? So that's important. So Los Angeles is a big city, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of things go regionally. You know, a lot of people are like, hey, we're based in Boston, but we need an L.A. photographer. So that's one of the keywords they're going to be searching is location. And the next thing they're going to be searching is photographer, what they need. And then finally, they're going to search if – they, if they do search Los Angeles photographer, they're going to be like, whoa, this is – too many people. Oh. How 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 do we find right. somebody that we need? So I'm not a fashion photographer. I'm not a 
product photographer. I'm not a lot of things, but I am a sports photographer. So I put sports in there. So I, I put that up there and within, give it some time and searching, enough people searched and clicked on my website, it built up the Google ranking. Also, whenever I have different plugs, you know, or whenever I do something, I share a link to my website and share it that way. Expand the web. Expand the web, Expand yeah. Expand it. That's a huge thing people don't understand. Things need to go into your website and out and expand it so you have a bigger net. Yeah, and then um, I caption all my photos and make sure the metadata is on for all of my photos. So whenever somebody's searching for certain photos on my website, that metadata is attached to it and that pops up on searches as well. That a boy. That a boy. That's, that's, I mean, it's not rocket science, <laughs> but so many guys and gals don't do it. I know. It's, it's, um, it's definitely not rocket science and... Just takes a little bit of time, but like, but you know, certain people aren't. They're just gonna be like, "All right, I have my website. I'm done." Right? Yeah. Oh. I have beautiful photos. I have the probably better photos than Rick Tapia. I should be getting jobs. Right. <laughs> but no, I get those calls. Problem is your website, your billboard is out in Barstow and nobody's seeing it. Yep. That's the difference. Yours is on, you know, Sunset or Sepulveda. Hey. It's everybody's seeing it. You know, it's on the 405. <laughs> right. 405 and sunset. Right there. <laughs> there you go. So so that's the first part. So you got to be seen and, and you have to do good work. So once you get that client to your door, you need to be presentable. You need to be a nice person. I think that's, I, I can't understate that enough in this industry. Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for a long time before this. Obviously, we haven't spoken in a while, but... We've been, I would consider us friends, friendly, friendly, yeah. friendly acquaintances at sure. the bare minimum. <laughs> right. You don't, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, but you're right. Exactly. So being a good person, I don't remember anything negative. To, I can't say anything negative about you. And I hope you can't say anything negative about me. Right. And I think that is very important to not be able to say anything negative about somebody or, or yourself or a client, you know? And our community is very small. So small. If one photographer farts, everybody knows about it. It's so small. It's, and, and especially when you get into certain cities. Like, yes. Like, people are like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And not to be mean, but if I don't know you, that's because I haven't seen you at games, so you're not on my radar. Right. But then it's like, oh, do you know X, Y, Z? It's like, oh, yeah, he, I see him every other weekend, or I see him here and there. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we have that community, that size of a community. So going back to clients, so you have to be presentable. So you have to look the part. You have to look professional, act professional, talking to complete sentences when yes. you're, you're typing an email. I mean, basic things. I mean, again, it's it's pretty, it's not rocket science, but you have to do the right things. Um, following up with that client, you know, you might, they might, they might send you one email and it might get lost after a couple of days. Um, fine line between persistence and annoyance. Always try to checking in, checking in. Um, and then once once you do have that, hopefully you get a face to face with the client. It's always good to do a face to face. I know we didn't have any face to face in 2020. Hoping to change that with so everything. Weird. So weird to say that. I, it it so really weird. is. But Zoom calls. So we would. I did Zoom calls. So don't you know your background needs to be appropriate. <laughs> you need to comb your hair. Even though my hair was twice as long, three times as long as it normally is, it was combed. Right. <laughs> so you know, take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, these little things to look professional, look the part, and then the client feels more comfortable with you. And you just have to let your personality come out in those calls. And if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. I feel like I don't have a personality that 100% of people will like. 
and that's fine by me. But I hope I have a likable personality, and I want to work with a certain client, certain type of clients that enjoy the same things that I enjoy and things like that. And it's really important to be able to not necessarily like grab a beer with your client, but you want to be able to at least you're going to be on set with them for a couple hours. You want it to right. be a, an enjoyable experience. Yeah, you they, you don't want them to leave and be like, man, I am never hiring Rick again. He's annoying as all get out. <laughs> I mean, you they could say, I'm not going to hire Rick again because the art is not what we wanted. But maybe if I move on to another company, I'll bring him in to do X, Y, or Z. But not, you don't want the, he's the annoying ass. Yeah, no, that's a time breaker. Right, because sometimes you don't like i've i've done this where i've gotten hired by an agency and it worked out great and they've left and gone to another another agency and i've got hired by them cuz they move so now i've expanded i've at two different places but you don't want it to be you're an ass so you don't get hired either one and it happens way too often yeah exactly it can go both both ways and especially in the sports world i mean how many times have you met a pr person and they're not you know they're at the angels today but tomorrow they're at the dodgers and the next day they're at the you know they're in seattle or they're in phoenix or they right. move across the country to boston mm-hmm. that happens all the time now i know people um that used to work at certain teams that are at completely different teams, but they have that positive reminder of me. So when I say, Hey, like, I know this is last minute, but I need this credential or, Hey, like, can I shoot in the tunnel area? That's a big thing with the NFL is we, we were able to build these relationships with these teams because they would always send, they would always send me to Denver very early on. I would be the Denver photographer kind of not like officially or anything like that, but that's just how it worked out. And so I was always going there. And so if, you see the same person week in and week out Smart. and you be- have relationships with that person, you can ask for favors in being like, hey, I know that you only allow your team photographer normally in the tunnel for team introductions, but we would really love this photograph. And guess who gets to be there because they know who I am. Right. It's going to be me. So did Ben implement that? approach of getting that photographer in the same location for the ease of now familiar face? I definitely think he did that because it, like you said, it allows us to be more familiar with the teams. And at the time there weren't as many of us. So to be able to kind of hit, hit it out of the park with a home run of, all right, you're going to be this guy always going to this location, but it's going to build this relationship. So five years from now, 10 years from now, now we can send any photographer into this area and they're going to be like, oh yeah, he works for the NFL. He must be a good guy. Building trust. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's really not that hard, but it, it does help that you've got someone like Ben with the forethought to be, understand that we're starting something new and we got to build it. Yeah, and I think Ben's done a great job because he started at .com when NFL took over the website. So it used to be like run by a third party, I think, and Ben yeah. started it from day one. And back in the day when I was a photo editor there, there was it was literally just me and Ben. It was literally on Sundays, me and Ben doing all the photo editing. I so mean, and crazy. Now, <laughs> And the crazy thing is we didn't have anybody on the desk on Saturdays because of college football. And that was just an afterthought for the NFL back in the day. Could you imagine not having anybody on the desk on a Holy Saturday? Holy God. But now we have, you know, enough staff seven days a week, like five, six people on Sundays. It's a whole team. It's it's really it's really quite remarkable how much he's built it up from, from where it was. And, and to be a part of that since the beginning, too, I was on maybe a year or two after all this. Okay. So I started off really early in the, when everything started. Right. 
How much time do you spend managing your business, your photo business? I say I work every day and no days. Okay. <laughs> Meaning that I'm always doing something for my business every day of the week, whether it's editing, whether it's phone calls, whether it's thinking about how to grow my business, what clients I want. And then it's also, I work no days because I love my job. I, you know, that's what I want to do. Like, like, what do you want to do with, with your life when you retire? It's like, I think I am semi-retired already. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm shooting. I'm getting paid to travel the United States shooting football games. What do you mean when I retire? This is my retirement. Yeah. You're, and then another saying I like to say is, uh, Brett Favre said this, you pay me for Monday through Saturday. You don't pay me for Sundays. Because meaning that game days, Brett Favre would play for free because of the love of the game. Mm -hmm. So because of the love of photography, that's this is what I do. But yeah, you do pay me Monday through Saturday because I have to put in the work. I have to do emails. I have to do bids that I don't get all the time that could take me, you know, a bid could take hours out of my oh, day. Oh, yeah. Easy, maybe a whole day if I'm calling, trying to get models, trying to get releases, trying to see what locations are going. And then we don't end up getting the bid for whatever reason. And so it's, it's hard. I haven't really probably as a, as a, you know, bad, bad on me. I don't really know how many hours I work, but it doesn't feel like work. But you're working on it. But I'm working. Yeah. Whether now would you say, do you post a lot on social media? Keep yourself. I would say that's one of my weaknesses is posting on social media, actually. Okay. And I'm not, I'm 33. So I'm still, you know, in that age range where I should, I'm on social media probably on it too much for what I actually post it. But again, COVID we'll blame COVID on a lot of sure. things. There's a lot of free time out there right now, but yeah, I would say that's actually my weak point is posting on social media. And I know a lot of people that post every day, post 10 photos a day and things like that. And I would rather work in other places on, on that. My, I would rather spend the time editing the photo, putting it on the Associated Press to sell it. You know, I would rather spend that time um, emailing a client or a future client or talking to my rep and seeing like, all right, what's the game plan this month? Are we going to reach out to XYZ? Are we going to make a promo this month? Are we doing, what, what are we doing? And I've heard people say, hey, you know, you got you to gotta put yourself out there. You got to show your current work. I'm also, I also am my hardest critic. So I'm like, if it's not good enough, my almost, if it's not good enough for my portfolio, it shouldn't go out there. I don't want anybody to see anything negative. So Just even stuff. if my, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to be a content creator. I'm not that person. I want to show you my best stuff, period. And honestly, like Buffalo, I had good shots. Yeah. I haven't posted anything from that game yet because I didn't have anything that I thought was amazing. And I try to save my social media posts for like good daily work. You, you remember that phrase mm -hmm. back in the mm -hmm. newspaper days? Yep. It's like, it's not portfolio worthy, but it's good daily work. Meaning right. like your editor, right. yeah, your editor is going to be happy about that. And yeah, my editor, you know, all my editors were really happy with my game. We had a good game um, working together. Um, we had two, two photographers at all the playoff games. So that's also great. And, you know, sometimes all the f photos don't come your way, especially totally. when you're working with another partner. But, hey, if he got those images, then we did our job. Right. Now, you touched on this earlier about going up steps at stadiums and, you know, running around. Do you try to keep yourself in good shape for games 
Is that something you're cognizant of? Like, I'm 33 now. I need to stay in shape because running a game, like if you do a game on a Saturday, a Sunday, and God forbid you got Monday night football, it wears on you. Oh, it does. Again, we'll blame it on COVID. I definitely gained weight during COVID, and it showed. It it definitely shows not only through my clothes being a little <laughs> tighter, but it shows when you're when you are running up and down those steps. And so, a goal of mine is to definitely lose all the weight that I lo- that I gained during COVID, and that's going to be an off season goal. It's just. It's just fact of the matter. It's easier to lose weight when I'm not waking up at 6 a.m., grabbing a donut to fly on a flight to right. do that. And, you know, again, yeah, it's my fault that I gained the weight. I'm going to take personal responsibility for that. But it's just too easy when you're traveling to eat bad and not exercise. Right. And also, I think it's a rhythm thing. You know, like if I can say, all right, Monday, Tuesday, when, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to exercise or, you know, you get in a rhythm. Yeah. With NFL season, I might have a game on Thursday. I might have a game on Friday. I mean, um, I might have to travel on Friday for a game on Sunday. I might have to do a Saturday if college game. It's just too unpredictable to keep that routine going. I always felt for me, I've, like people used to look at me like, why are you stretching before the game? And I never understood that. Like I would watch guys and be like, we're going to go shoot world-class athletes. And all you fat asses are sitting inside the room, shoving pizza down. And then you're going to run up and down the sideline for an hour before halftime. And you're going to be like a slushy mess. Cause like when I used to assist with McDonough, he's oh a sprinter. My, oh my McDonough. I, he's a sprinter. He would hold the five and you would have the four and the six and you'd have to keep up with them. And like, you, you gotta be in shape. You've got to keep like good health. And I mean, you know, you assist with Walter, you had to have a tennis racket as you're always playing tennis. Like there were some of those guys where you had to keep up with these guys. And so I'm shocked when I see some photographers, I'm like, you haven't seen your feet in years. How are you doing this? <laughs> well, as you know, football is a very active sport, and those guys, yeah, they miss play. They have to miss plays. I don't. Yeah. I, I definitely have the blinders on when I'm shooting. I don't really look at what everybody else is doing necessarily during a game. I only notice anybody if they're in my quote-unquote spot. You know how you have your favorite spot right. when you're shooting football or baseball. You always have your favorite spot, and so whenever somebody's in my favorite spot, I'm like, oh, I got to move over two feet. It feels different. Right. <laughs> now, now talk about that a little bit because you you say your spot or, or, or place you want to be on the field are you a spot like that guy like i got to be at the 25 if they're at the 50 or i want to be here in the end zone or do you go by the game a little bit of both in in the beginning i i've my spots will always be end zones preferably i like the action coming right at me i don't like anything coming from like the sides as much okay and i think now that's personal preference or is that nfl-ish um i would say that's personal preference 100 percent um, I also like my backgrounds to be as out of focus as humanly possible. And so when you have a guy coming at you and the nearest background's 100 feet away or 100 yards away, always helps your backgrounds. Sure. Versus the sidelines, only 25 feet away. You know, they're, it, you're going to get, you just are going to get people in your background. So right. I try to make it as much as possible, have my backgrounds go out of focus as, as easily as possible. Now you say in zone, do you like to be in the middle or do you pick a corner? Depends. If they're coming at me, I like to pick a corner so that way you can shoot the whole end zone. Okay. Because on a corner, you can kind of see from one side of the end zone all the way to the other side without being blocked. Because if you're in the middle, you have the goalpost there. And sometimes you can get blocked a little easier that way, I feel like. Right. Do you study the game and be like, okay, 
on third and eight, Brady likes two, or on second and one, they're going to go like. Do you have that I, kind of? I'm a general. I've always been a general fan of football, so I've always understood the game. I'm not that complex where I would be like. I know that I know exactly what's going to happen. I will say I know tendencies. You learn tendencies. And yes, if it's third and eight, you know that's probably 99% going to be a passing play. Or if it's third and one, you probably know it's going to be a rush up the middle or QB sneak. Like I know those certain things. But I won't say like, oh, LA Rams defense is going to go into nickel right now with the with the side with the rushers passing and you know, right. I won't go into that depth of of cover two or cover ones. I understand concepts of those, but I don't know when those plays are necessary going to happen okay I think that makes sense yeah no it does because there's there's sometimes like I'm watching the game and I'm sitting there going okay you know Peyton just keeps going to the right he just keeps going to Walker to the right to the right oh, to yeah. the right so why am I on the left and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting his backside the whole time yeah that's that's definitely part of it I mean if we knew every time what they were going to do they wouldn't play the game right well, I'd, I'd be just a defensive be... coordinator yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't be the photographer I'd be way more money <laughs> yeah exactly so there is a you know randomness to a randomness to football so you know that's right. why you get lucky and you get unlucky yeah it, it happens have you ever had a game where you've gotten destroyed yet Oh, all the time, I would say. Um, you always make the best, especially during COVID. I would say previous years, you've, you, you always try to be in the best position as possible, right? So you're always trying to be in that best position. But again, because of COVID and the restrictions and just trying to move around, sometimes you're kind of stuck in a, a situation, in one spot, especially some of these, um, some of the, we didn't even talk about the stadium layouts. Yeah, you're I finding mean, that out right now, yeah, aren't yeah. you? Like. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like, why do they have six tunnels and I can't get over each of these tunnels? I can only use one. I got to go all the way around or like some of the end zones you can't shoot from in some of these stadiums like Phoenix and yeah, like Phoenix, you can't shoot in one of the whole end zones. It's just you can't because it's how the stadium's designed that both of the tunnels are there and it cuts off. Right. From, there's no entrance. Yeah. It, it's like. Because you can't be on the field level anymore, nobody can go up to those areas. So it's like so how the stadium what you're designed. Learning. Yeah, um, the older stadiums are the best stadiums. So like Buffalo is an older stadium or built like an older stadium, and it's super low. Like it's you know it's almost like a college stadium. Green Bay super low, right. um, Kansas City super low, really easy. So all these like older stadiums that aren't as complex are actually the better stadiums to shoot at versus like you know um, even so. It's, you know, they have the club level seating on the field level. So now you're 10 feet off the ground when you're shooting these guys. So it's just, just more difficult to get that quote unquote, like football angle. You, you, you are, people are accustomed to seeing. Have you ever shot your 600 this much for football? Never. I've always wanted to, but it's not practical without an assistant. Right. Um, Cause you're, are you, a, otherwise would you be a four and a six guy? I, well, if you had an assistant? If I had an assistant, yes, right. of course. Yeah, if I had an assistant, of course I would be a four and a six guy all day long. I Does mean, the NFL not get one during the regular season, an assistant pass? No, it's it's probably due to cost and restrictions and, you know. No, pre-COVID. Oh, pre-COVID. Yeah, it's it, we, we, we've been able to work without one. Okay. So yeah, it's just, I, would, I would say we're, we're able to produce without one. Right. Obvious, and two, I think it forces you to move a little bit more and be more mobile and be in the actual positions. I think if I was a team photographer, too, it's a lot easier. 
I won't not to downplay them, but it's a lot easier being a team photographer because you're only covering one team. Oh yeah. Oh please, so much easier. Yeah, it there's is. A I'll tell you that for a guy who's worn that hat, <laughs> way easier. Yeah, because there's no excuse for you to get off of a player. Like you stay on Peyton Manning as he throws, and you get his jubilation or dejection all the way through the play. Like you don't have to follow certain things. Yes, exactly. Um, but there are a lot of amazing team photographers, and what they've produced and allows a lot more creativity being a team photographer in that aspect because you know you know you can you don't have to cover it's not that you don't have to cover the whole game but you can get a little bit more creative during the game i feel like sometimes and then a lot of those guys have teams they have an additional second or third photographer yeah it's like a you know you you definitely have a group of photographers who can get that if if you're if you're trying to do something more creative you know your second shooter your third shooter is going to get that for you right favorite stadium AT&T Stadium in Dallas has always been my favorite stadium. And I've been to every current NFL stadium. Favorite team to shoot. Not your favorite team. Yeah, I yeah. I don't want you to get in any trouble. But like you're like, I know if I go shoot them, I'm going to get some excitement. Because some uh, teams are dull yeah, and some yeah, teams no. are like great, flamboyant, and fantastic. That's tough. I'm trying to think. I, I would say anybody with a running quarterback, that a quarterback that can, can scramble. Wilson, Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Th- those guys are just electric. Mahomes. Uh, I, oh, would, yeah. I would say right now it would be Kansas City Chiefs with their level of offensive talent and with Mahomes being a little bit more mobile. Just, just to see what he can do and get outside the pocket. And, you know, a lot of times you're focused on the quarterback. So if you can get the quarterback – a lot of times doing something running and you just get all those plays. But I mean, I've, I photographed Jackson the last two weeks and he's, he's, he's a special player. He's going to be a special player in this league and Russell Wilson. Oh my God. Like the things he can do on the football field, he does three sixties out there and goes, you know, turns around defenders like they're, they're nothing. So I would say a mobile quarterback is somebody I would lean towards photographing more. I think that's more exciting. Can't really, I mean, I guess Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, but I can't really pinpoint. Great stadium, great fans. Yeah. Uh, Good great. barbecue. Oh, my God. Every time every time I go there, I got I to gotta try out, you know, a new place. And I love Kansas City, too. I'm really good friends with uh, Steve Sanders, team photographer. And you know how it is in the Midwest. Everybody's so friendly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, have you ever thought of this? I know you... You're now an L.A. guy, but have you ever thought about moving your ass to the middle of the country so you can fly half the distance and be places in two and a half hours instead of five and a half? I mean, I definitely think I think about that every time I have a six hour flight to like Miami or Buffalo or something like that. But you know what it is? When I come back home, I don't want to have to shovel snow. When I come back home, I want to do what I did on, on Sunday. You know what I did on Sunday when I flew back home after Buffalo, after it was 30 degrees in Buffalo? Did you go to the beach? I went to the beach. <laughs> and a boy. Without my, you know, took hat my flip-flops, no flip-flops, shirt. Flip-flops, no shirt. Your COVID body. Yeah. Let everybody see it. Take a look at this, ladies. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> a moment for not too many people else wanted to see, but they did. I went to the beach in January. Good for you, Where, Rick. where else can you say you did that? No, Miami. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other side, so it doesn't do you any yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I can't do hurricanes. People say, you know, what about earthquakes? I'm like, ah, you don't know when they're coming. You just sleep, and if it happens, it happens. Right, we don't have, <laughs> I tell people this, we don't have earthquake seasons. You, They have hurricane seasons. <laughs> like, if we had hurricanes that, and an earthquake and, and a season like that, and you knew it was coming every April to October, nobody would live in California. <laughs> 
No way. <laughs> no way. Could no. you imagine? Though, I mean, gosh, we've had a lot this this last couple of years, though, oh with the God. fires and mudslides and everything. But eh, how do you control your gear intake? Where you're like, okay, I'm only going to shoot. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay committed to brand X. And I'm now going to go into their mirrorless rim. And how did you not maybe get sucked up into all of that craziness that can happen with photography? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think a lot of it has to do with a history lesson, if you will. Seeing the other guys, I was, I've always been a Canon shooter, obviously. We talked about that high school age. And I've always stuck with them, never switched, never had an inch, you know, and never wanted to switch. I saw a lot of guys when the 1DX3 came out. So not the 1D, oh, sorry, sorry, the 1D3, the 1D3. Okay. So 2012, no, 2012-ish. Okay, yep. Maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll say 2012 for fun. Sure. <laughs> that had some problems with it. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, I do. So the 1D3 had pro- yes. focusing problems. Yes, it and it just didn't shift, and you didn't want it to be. Yeah, it, yeah I remember it, that. And the one, and it, it had, we had the 1D Mark IIN, which was probably one of the best focusing cameras ever. And I would pit that camera up to any camera today, right? To focus. So you had the 1D2N, and it's amazing focus. And then everybody bought the 1D3, yeah. and was like. What did Canon do? Yes, I remember having a conversation with Bert Hanashiro, and he lost literally a whole take because it was out of focus. It, yeah, completely out of focus. So everybody jumps ship to Nikon. Yeah, and within you know within six months, Canon fixes the problem mostly. So that's when it was a big PR hit, but they fixed it. It was a yeah. huge PR hit, and that's when they. Do you remember they had the blue dot edition yes. and the green dot yes. edition? <laughs> like, yes, I remember. When I had when I was re, so I bought I bought some blue dot editions, but I remember reselling reselling those cameras. You had to t- convince people it wasn't broken. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I swear the photos are in focus. I swear. Could you imagine? Anyway, well, yeah, you, you're yeah. selling them. You're selling them the camera and some photos to show them that no, it's it's decent. Yeah, yeah this can this photo this camera can take photos. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I remember that PR hit that they took and a lot of people switched to Nikon. Mm-hmm. But I remember Canon within a couple, probably a year, let's be real, a year, a full year full for them to like really get their hands on. Yeah, a lot of everything. apologizing, sorry. And- yeah, and I just stuck with them. I didn't have the money at the time to go straight into the 1D, you know, Mark III. I'm still a younger, inspiring photographer, mm-hmm. don't have don't get the latest and greatest gear. I get the next generation. I'm still at that right. stage in my career and it worked out for me. So I'm able to get dirt cheap Mark three camera, you know, six months after the fact, practically brand new and you know, I'm loving life. And so from learning that Canon will do right, or I'm hoping Canon will do right, <laughs> yes. that I'm going to stick with them. And I think um, that's proven, they've proven me correct with the Mark V. Sorry, with the uh, R5. At that time. So, did you take it for a test spin? The R5? Yes. So. Because that's a huge change. Oh, it's a huge change. So, I didn't. And I know that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. I remember trying the 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 R. I think it was just called the the EOS R or the R. It was right. two years ago. That okay. camera was, for lack of description, a POS. Let's yes. just, uh, for for multiple reasons. Sorry, Canon. It was you, your you first missed, time. You missed on it. But then I'm like, Canon's not going to make the same mistake twice. Because again, remember history lessons. They know if they miss on this camera everybody's going to Sony. And they're never coming back. And they're never coming back. And I did talk to some reps and I was like, give it to me straight. 
like I have all this camera gear. I have maybe not a hundred thousand, but at least fifty thousand dollars worth of your equipment. Give it to me straight. Like, what am I going to get when I buy this camera? And they're like, the one DX, the one DX three has a lot of the same capabilities as the R five and vice versa and things like that. I'm like, all right, I know mirrorless is the future. I just know it in my heart, Mm -hmm. and I just took the leap of faith i guess i don't know it's really weird to say like you didn't I even just rent knew. it you just literally threw your ass in the deep end i i was one of the first people to put a deposit on two of them down at sammy's <laughs> jesus that's really know. getting in the deep end it, it that's is, a commitment it was I, and i i haven't looked back i really haven't it's that's better to be lucky than good are you used to i mean you better be not by now but looking at it electronically and not through ground glass I thought that would be the weirdest thing to do, and now I don't even notice it. And it's because of their viewfinder. They they made it, you can't tell. Right. I really cannot tell the difference. The only thing that you can tell the difference is if you don't have the camera on. Remember, if you have your camera right. off with a DSLR, you can still look through it and, sure. and just look through it. But you can't do that on a mirrorless camera. No. But who cares? If the camera's not on, it's not going to take a photo anyways. Right. It doesn't do anything. Is football your favorite subject to shoot or sport to shoot? Who? Or my my classic answer to that has always been hockey is one A and football is one B. Now why hockey? I'm a hockey fan. Okay. I've always been a hockey fan. Now where did that develop? When I lived in St. Louis, that's where it developed. Okay. So I told you moved around eight different cities for a little bit. You're a bit of a blues fan, huh? I actually am not a blues fan because oh. I lived, I know, curveball. Oh, I lived Brett in Hall Denver. Brett Hall uh, spilled over on his skates. Uh, I, re- I don't think Brett Hall has any idea what I'm doing or cares. <laughs> but um, I, am, I am a Denver sports fan. I lived in Denver before I lived in St. Louis as a child. I'm going to need a map for you're this. You're going to need a map, yeah. You're gonna, okay, you're, so we're in Denver. Yeah, yeah, we're in Denver. You fall in love with then the so the, Patrick Waugh. Yeah, so this so ninety five. Yeah, ninety five is when they got the team to Denver because they used to be in Quebec. Yes, but when I was living there, they actually never had a hockey team. So I was classic. You were a young lad. I was very young. I was you know walking. So I have I have photos of me in a John Elway onesie. You know oh, that's, that's how young great. we're talking about. Yeah, so John Elway is the quarterback in you know eighty seven through ninety. So that's the period but that we lived. My family, just me and my parents, okay. just newly newly have a kid whatever that's called just <laughs> right? they have a kid yeah. but you know my parents grow, my dad's growing up the corporate ladder and doing what he has to do for the family so that's we're in Denver and that's where I got my love affair of uh, Colorado sports that's kind of like you know your hometown mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. I consider Reno my home right now like okay. if somebody said oh where's your home where were you from I just say Reno because that's where my family is Okay. so I just kind of default to wherever my family is that's home right? sure family's home right that's so when people are like oh you know they have such a commitment to a city or something like that it's kind of foreign to me but I get it you know mm-hmm. so hockey love affair is something that just kind of blossomed you just- so yeah so fast forward move um Moved to St. Louis um, after that, or a couple of years after that. So I'm, I'm 10, 11 in St. Louis, and guess what? Everybody plays in the street. Hockey. They play street hockey. Street hockey. Right. And I came from San Diego, California. Before that, again, get your map <laughs> out, people. I didn't. That's why I didn't want to go into this. No, this so, is great. Yeah. So th- there I am, a kid, you know, surfing and skateboarding, <laughs> and I'm like, why is nobody surfing and skateboarding? <laughs> What are what are these sticks doing on the ground and yeah. what are they hitting? So I'm like, well, what's the easiest way to 
to make new friends. Just play what all the neighborhood sure. kids are playing. Street hockey. So I'm playing street hockey. I'm there, just loving and you it. Loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it's, I can see why. Hey, what? Give a kid a stick and something to hit. What? What's not to right? Like? Not get yelled at. <laughs> so then, why did that become a sport you like to shoot? You just did it. You should find it easy to shoot, and you understood it well. I definitely think understanding whatever you photograph, no matter if it's a product, if it's a person, if it's a sport, if it's nature, you need to understand it to be to be able to photograph it well. And so definitely understanding hockey and coming to L.A. where a lot of people don't understand hockey. I think that definitely got me a leg up on being able to photograph hockey. And one of my first internships, actually, my first internship was with actually, sorry. My second internship, got ahead of myself, was with the Colorado Avalanche in Denver with Michael Martin. He's, and he's still their team photographer. So that was my second internship while I was up Brooks and got to be his assistant team photographer, I guess, and shadowed him for three months. And we went on a little playoff run, and it was the time of my life. Wow, that is great. Talk about just, I mean, you can't ask for a better job. It really wasn't, and you know, I was I was still twenty twenty one at the time, and just being able to be like, people ask me like, oh, do you remember your first NFL stadium you ever shot at? And I honestly don't remember the first my first NFL game. I don't remember that. It's kind of like a blur. I know it's crazy to think about, but I remember the first time I I walked. I walked onto the ice at Pepsi Center because we could we walked on the ice to go to the bench to shoot pregame warmups. Right, right, right. Back in the day when yeah. you could shoot that, and I remember being being there, walking slow on yeah, the yeah, ice, yeah. walking on the bench. And even before that, we got there. You know, it was my first game, so we got there four hours before there, and there was not a soul in the arena, and it's just me looking out into the arena with with the uh, with the colored lights on, and you know the house lights are down. I remember that vividly, like. I've arrived, like I'm going to make this my career. Like it was always, you know, that was a moment for me. That is, that's awesome. How do you, and let's talk about this, when you're dealing with clients and listen, you've got a subject, how do you deal with subjects and where did you develop that style to deal with a subject one-on-one, whether it's an NFL portrait or something for a Gatorade or Nike or any client you have? Yeah, that's a difficult question. Like, how did I develop it? I would say personality helps. Like, I think everybody just has to bring their own personality to your shoot. I think that's kind of why people, hopefully that's why they hired you in the beginning. Like I said, you know, how I get clients, I try to be as nice as I can, professional. And I live that throughout my whole life and everything I do. So I think that helps. You have to realize that when you're dealing with celebrities and athletes, they're just people. They want to be treated with respect. They want to be, you know, it's it's kind of the basic human emotions everybody wants. You want to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. You want to be loved. You want to be respected. You want all these admiration. You want all these things. So you have to kind of bring that in a very short period of time to your subject. Because if I have J.J. Watt, who I just shot um, last summer, you know, he shows up. He just did an interview, a 30-minute interview with ESPN. He, after, that's just after he did his practice, after he already did his probably his own workout at 6 a.m. So it's 3 o'clock, and I'm like the, the last person he wants to see. And I'm, you know, and it's, it's not his fault. He has a grueling schedule, it's you know. part of it's, the million-dollar job, right. Exactly. And so I get it. 
Um, and J.J. Watt's an amazing person, by the Good way. He was. He, I, yeah. I, I, I hear stories about how great he is to work with. So, again, you, you know he's practiced from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. He had a break. He practiced again. He did an interview with ESPN. You know he doesn't want to do this, but he's a pro. I'm a pro and we work together and you know, we're going to have a good time. And so he does his, he does his thing. I do my thing and we make it work. We make it work. And so walk me through that step, that process. So, you know, you got JJ Watt. What is your conceptual idea of the shoot or do, or are you given? So luckily Gatorade gave us the conceptual idea. We wanted him to it, it look like he's working out okay. on, on a football field. So we're at the practice field outside. And so we have the concept down. We have the poses down. We have, we have our, our, um, our sheet that has all the poses listed and even examples. And so then we're already prepared. So we show up again, three hours before JJ's sure. even going to think about showing up. We show up ahead of time, prepared. We're set up. We're we're waiting two hours for him, and that's normal. You know, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. It's not. It's not that he's late. It's just that you want to be prepared. You want to be. You have to be ready for this person to go because this time's valuable. Oh yeah. So we're ready. You know how it is. You know, you're there five hours before, so that way you can wait three hours before the guy shows up. Yes. So he gets there. So I think being well prepared really helps. It calms your nerves. You're like, you know what? This is okay. We're okay. <laughs> right. He's set up. My camera's set up. He's ready to roll. So the Texans PR is there. He goes, this is J. They introduce him like, this is JJ. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that Right. <laughs> oh, you're so much smaller. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, and so you shake his hand. You say, hey, how's it going? And you try to get a grasp of how his day's going right then and there. You know, you have five seconds to make that first impression. So you want to be, I try to be up, upbeat, energetic, feel like I want to be here, like this is going to be fun. That's kind of my approach. And I see how everybody reacts to that. Okay. And especially MLB, we talked about it a little earlier, MLB photo days, sometimes those guys, they needed five more coffees. And oh they're yeah, still they're not hung over, they smelled, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Right. Maybe not that much, but yeah. So... So we talk, we talk it over with the concepts with JJ and you kind of, when you talk it over, you can see his reaction, like how he's going to like, oh yeah, that's like a good idea. Or he's like, oh, I don't, you can I just would tell. never do that. Or yeah. I can, yeah, I can totally yeah, yeah, do that yeah, for that, you. That, that's cool. Um, you know, you can kind of get that general idea of what like he thinks is a good idea. So when you kind of see that spark in his eye of what he wants to do, you do that first. So that way it builds confidence. It builds that relationship for you. So I'm like, all right, so let's get you sweaty. So let's get you in your in your three-point stance so start off with easy things that i know he does like clockwork with his eyes closed yeah exactly so you get those easy shots out of the way now do you apply sweat or do you let him sweat up so we had a we had a makeup artist and because of the limited time we had we couldn't we couldn't be there for the whole amount of time so they applied the sweat okay so we we make him sweaty up and it's funny he the the makeup artist does it and then he's like he looks at her kind of like is that it and he 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 goes can i have the the bottle we had a squirt bottle and he douses himself and right. he's dripping and then he's like okay we're good so right. you know she's clone- dainty about it doesn't yeah. want to soak him but he's like i'm yeah. a grown man i'm gonna be a mess yeah, yeah. so again another pro he's a pro's pro that's amazing good. guy he's done this before so you're like perfect he knows what he's doing i know what i'm doing so we go through the easy shots that we know we're gonna nail are you talking park. to him through this always talking always be like per- jj that that looks great all right couple sometimes i'll count sometimes i won't sometimes we'll just have the flash again it's 
it's one of those things you don't have you have a general idea of what you're going to do okay. but it's like a football game you kind of know what they're going to do on third and eight mm-hmm. but you always want to leave room for to be able to to work around that to, right. to to be fluid with with the situation to see like like jj again he knows what he's doing i don't have to do much direction it's like when you hire a professional model for a shoot right like they pose themselves and it's really nice it's like she then, knows they yeah, know they know it's like when you work with professionals you get professional results mm-hmm. so again we're going through the shoot i'm saying i might say hey can you turn your hips a little bit or can you rotate this way you know just very mm-hmm. little nuances that i can see and you might not say that with somebody else too because if they you don't want them to get frustrated right but since i know jj he's he's killing it i know i can say hey just move a little bit and we're going to nail this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so because of that we're getting all these shots really fast and the client we have the digital tech there they're looking at the images okay that was what i was going to ask you do you do have a digital tech you need a digital tech and i think that's a lot of things are you shooting tethered yeah shooting tethered okay um whole nine yards it's like it's Full on, you know, full on shoot. We have everybody there. We have a little Everybody's bit of, peering over yeah. looking at the, you yeah, know, yeah. the monitor and giving input. Yeah, you know, JJ's people are there. The Texans are there looking at the monitor. Our people are there looking at the monitor. Gatorade's people is looking at the monitor. So you have like, you know, five, six, seven people looking at this monitor. Right. And there's no hiding your mistakes either. No. So you're taking photos. It goes straight to the monitor. You don't have time to be like, oh, let's Photoshop something or let's fix this. So Sorry, JJ. <laughs> yeah. Do you like to play music? on a set I love to play music on the set if we can if it allows to so they were doing they were doing some video also okay. during the shoot and for the shoot so we didn't do music for that particular shoot because okay. I know some subjects love it I think some it, don't I think you need to know what music they like ahead of time yes. too yes you do nothing nothing would be worse than to play country if he's a rap person or right. you know, vice versa yeah yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense because that's the last thing you want to do is just piss off, you know, the subject that you're trying to make comfortable in the photo shoot. Definitely. I mean, that's that's the worst worst thing you could possibly can do. <laughs> now, here's the tough question. If you're not a photographer, what are you doing? You know, we kind of had a I kind of had to think about that during COVID because you you um you know, no I think it was March 17th, March 15th, NBA cancels their season. We don't know what's happening with Major League Baseball, NHL cancels their season, and football's done. And I'm like, huh, I have no work. I have nothing, I have nothing to do right now. <laughs> I'm not a photographer. I am not a photographer. So you kind of, you know, and then a month goes by, and you're still not a photographer. <laughs> and your hair's longer. <laughs> yeah, your hair's longer. And so if I wasn't a photographer... What I'm into now a little bit is flipping houses. I flipped one or two houses. I've okay. kind of done that. Uh, I do enjoy doing something like that. Um, I see myself, because it's a little bit of, you get your hands dirty during the demo. Mm-hmm. You, it's a little bit creative. You, you kind of design it. Um, business, you know, doing the numbers. All right, you're going to buy the house for $250,000. you are going to get a loan for it. You got to do closing costs. You got to do rehab costs. You got to do... Um, interest costs you know so it's a lot of business and numbers to that and then it's a a hot market and you know you can make you can make some good money again only dabbled in that um with my brother and my dad we've done a couple houses together um another thing i've picked up 
is scuba diving. So that I'm is a, cool. Yeah, so I'm a certified dive master. So I'm the first level of professional scuba diver. So I'm actually this this spring going to go for it's called IDC, so instructor training. So maybe I might be a scuba instructor. Yeah. And that's just something I picked up during I picked it up before COVID. And then they close the beaches and then they open the beaches up, right? And so I'm scuba certified, me and my girlfriend are, and we're like, there is nothing to do. We are going scuba diving. Right. So every weekend we go scuba diving and it's socially distant. You know, what's more socially distant than breathing your own oxygen Where are you underwater? Going? Laguna Beach. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so it's an hour drive from where we are. It's, you know, perfect. You go to Laguna Beach and like it's- Victoria Beach or thousand steps or do you just pick one um, and just kind of go? I've never done thousand steps. I've, I've heard it's pretty good. Um, I do Shaw's Cove and Crescent Bay, okay. um, North North Crescent and mm-hmm. Shaw's Cove. And then where else have I done? I've co- done a couple others. We did. I've done Malibu. Oh, Catalina's great whenever you can do it. I mean, Catalina Island right. is amazing. And it's Casino Point. You literally walk in and you're just in a... It's it's unreal. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. beautiful. And really, Shaw's and Crescent are some of the best diving. It's the it's some of the it's I think it's rated the best shore dive in like some of the world that you can do is right here in Laguna. Um, is just shore diving. So shore diving is when you walk from the from beach. The shore, sure. Yeah, to to go diving. And a lot of people think you need a boat to go diving, but living in California. Yeah, living in California. So why would I live in Missouri? No way. (laughs) I get sorry to all my friends living in Missouri, but you know better. Absolutely. (laughs) So I might be a scuba instructor. Um, But no, I think I would have went at the time, um, you know, maybe gone into the family business a little bit. Um, There's a lot of options growing up. So where's Rick in like 2031? So 2030. So 10 years from now. Yeah. So I see yourself. Where do you want to be? Yeah, that's a great question. Because so my thought process to that is where would I have said I was 10 years ago from today? So that would have been 2011. Where would I have thought I would be today? And it wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here today for a number of reasons. I, I think I would have thought my life would have wanted a little differently. First of all, I probably thought I would have thought I would be a Sports Illustrated staff photographer. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, there are a lot of us that thought there's, that. There's a lot of us that thought that. I think that was a, that was a dream of mine for a long time. And then obviously the business changed and um, definitely happy of how things have, have turned out. So in 10 years from now, I think instead of doing 100, 100 events a year, Rick is shooting 10 commercials a year. Okay. I think that would be fun. I think with, I I foresee it, as you know, this is a tough industry being sports photography and photography in general. Day rates are going down, gear is going up in price, and it's... It's been tough. It's, you know, oh, getting brutal. those getting those ex- big client sales or getting those those deals are, are harder and harder. So, like you said, I'm represented now and that's where I'm going towards is getting more of the Gatorade shots where I have, you know, one-on-one time with JJ Watt instead of being one of 30 photographers photographing him on the field. Right. I yeah. f- I think that's where it is. And hey, I still want to be a, an NFL photographer. I just kind of have the mindset and the openness to understand that the economics might not be there in 10 years. Oh, for sure. Now, do you see yourself at all dabbling in video? 100%. I see myself dabbling in video. At what point? 
I don't know because with the condi- with the R5 capabilities, I mean, I can do 8K video. That's insane. What I mean, that's just craziness. So I think. I've dabbled in video a little bit here and there, nothing I've shown anybody, but I did say earlier I went to Antarctica. So mm-hmm. I did I did video and photo um, during the same time um, as my trip. So I did a little video for myself and I'm overall happy with the visuals of it. I will say my editing could use work. And I think, as you know, it's all about audio with video. Mm-hmm. People, people, need that that extra component there it's video it's the audio you you need that and so i think that's where i failed a little bit and so i learned from that mistake and i think that's where if i go into video i know audio is where it needs to be or maybe you know the best thing to do is just hire somebody who knows knows what they're doing (laughs) and i can be the dp right that's it or you just you know get your girlfriend to become an audio expert and she can follow you around with a boom mic and a dead cat (laughs) well funny you should say that she's actually in the motion picture industry she's i know there you go she does um, post. She does uh, like post production. She's Perfect. basically a Photoshop artist for movies. Is basically, okay. in layman's term, what she does. Well, let's give her a shout out. Well, yeah, who does she work for? Uh, Joy Tierden. She 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 works for a number of different companies right now, and I don't. We can't say what movie. Okay. Or does she have a website? Um, yeah, uh, I think she. Well, she has um, animation at fx.com okay so yeah look her up and then look she, her up Listen. yeah and she also she does her own um she has a side business too uh little smarty pants okay dot <laughs> <laughs> com or little smarty pants.org yeah, dot com. I, it's everything's dot com you we better know this Rick, don't, net, i know you go home and it's <laughs> she says it's she's no. gonna listen to this now and be like why do you even say anything you embarrass me <laughs> <laughs> so you've touched on it a couple of times, like the Antarctic stuff. You do uh, and take a lot of good trips, it seems like, after the season to kind of rewind. I notice a lot more guys of your age, like um, I think it's Brace with the Minnesota Twins does it a lot after his baseball season. Like you go and you just kind of like go to a place to rewind and, and I recharge. Think a, I think it's really important because for six months out of the year, I'm going hard. I'm shooting as many games. This was a light season for me doing 29 regular season NFL games mm-hmm. in 17 weeks. That was a light season for me. I mean, I'm I'm ready to go, you know? <laughs> like, sure. I still, feel, I still feel pretty good. But normally, I try, my goal is usually to try to hit 40 games in 20 weeks okay. with, with preseason included. That's kind of my my goal where I feel like, you know, I'm I'm pitting in the work. I do make the majority of my money doing football games. And I really because of the economics of that, I put everything I have into the football season. And you should. Yeah, I mean it's imagine making the majority of your money in six months. Like who wouldn't put all their effort into that? And right. then you get the majority of your other six months off. So yes, I have free time and I've had the opportunity to do a lot of amazing trips. And it's something that I've always had the travel bug. And I think that because I travel the United States for the NFL, I always look to go international for most of my vacation trips. Or or like Hawaii. We'll consider Hawaii somewhat international. I know it's not technically international, but that's a six hour flight. Damn right it is. I mean that's that's a that's not an easy like air you know, that's not an easy trip. It's a get, trip. It's yeah, definitely so, not Phoenix for us. Yeah, it's not Phoenix. So yeah, so where have I been? 2019 was one of my craziest years of traveling. I made it my travel year. Um, I don't know why. I think 
again, a lot of t- things with timing happens with me, and it was just the right timing. So I went to Antarctica, I went to Australia, I went to the Dominican Republic, I went to Hawaii, I went to the Arctic, and I think I'm, and I went to New Zealand. Now, what made you think, let's, let's go here, let's go there? What, you know, that's a lot of flying for maybe someone in five years. <laughs> Why did you think, like, I'm, I'm doing this? Yeah, and that all happened from a period of February through August. I mean, New so, Zealand's a damn long flight. The yeah, Arctic, for the yeah. love of God. <laughs> Again, it's just like I knew I wanted to. You ever So you see people... And they say, I wish I would have done this, or I should have done this sooner. And so I I mentioned earlier, um, I took a a trip to Antarctica. So that was my first trip, my first like once in a lifetime trip that I was like, this is amazing. I think I'm only going to do this once in my lifetime. Absolutely. So I go and you talk to people who are more mature than me. It's all we say. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're retired. They're 60s, they're 70s. You know, that's who the trip's kind of geared towards in a sense. Absolutely. There's a group of us that are in our 20s and 30s that are loving traveling or in, even in our 40s. So there's a small group of us, maybe like 20 or so out of 200. So the vast majority of people on this trip are 65 plus. Right. They're retired. So every, every chance I get, I, I like to be a little social butterfly. So I sit at different tables every lunch and dinner. So I'm sitting at every different table talking to people, learning their life story, because I traveled by myself also for this trip. So I'm talking to these people, and they're always intrigued with me. Oh, yeah, I'm an NFL photographer, blah, blah, blah. You know, I give the same spiel. And then you hear something different from them. I was a doctor. I was a firefighter. I did this. I lived in. And the cool thing about going to Antarctica, it's a worldwide trip, meaning I met people from every country could you can imagine from asia your all all, seven, all six continents cuz antarctica is the seventh <laughs> so all six continents um, meet some great friends and you make meet people with different perspectives on life on religion on politics all the stuff that you're not supposed to talk about but we talk about it cuz you're you're trying to learn you're trying to get a better understanding of the world that we live in today And in talking with a lot of these people, you realize this 70-year-old guy, he can't walk as fast as he used to. And he can't do this. He can't easily do certain things on this trip. And you're like, man, I don't want to wait for me to have all this time but not physically be able to do it. Or I don't want to wait for me not to possibly have this opportunity, period. Right. Who knows knows where we're going to go? And so I think there was an eye-opening to do this trip and to really be like... I need to do everything now. And so, again, I had the, I was, at the time I was single, I had a little bit extra money, had a good year, and I said, you know, um, everything's in line, everything's in order, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this year for myself. Treat yourself. And so, it might have been a 30, 30 year, you know, kind of like, you know, if people have the 40, when they turn 40, they kind of go mm-hmm. crazy. Maybe it was for my 31. <laughs> I had I had a, I just had a preemptive midlife crisis, so I always I'm always ahead of the curve in a lot of things I do. So there Good you boy. go. Yeah. The smartest thing you said out of that was is that you social butterflied around and sat with different groups and met different people. That is the smartest thing to do. Sit around and meet different people from different countries with different points of view and the way they perceive things. That's the best thing you could have probably gotten out of that trip. It really was, and. 
You know what's crazy now with social media and just politics being how they are currently? You you get lost in your own echo chamber. Oh, I think. yes. Um, Amen. And so we like to be in our own echo chamber because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And we want to be connected to more people. It's, comfortable it's the, in your it's, group. Yeah, comfortable in your team. That's why people gather toward... That's why people like sports teams. They're part of something mm-hmm. greater than themselves. But it's a problem being in, a, in an echo chamber, not hear, not hearing other points of views and things right. like that. But, from, from people that might be 40 years older than you. And they can tell you, you know, no, young man, trust me. Like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I, I see how it works, whether it's money, relationships, or, or good for you for taking this trip when you're 30 because you can hike up that icy mountain and I have to look at it from the boat. Yeah, exactly. Um, I met, and you know what was amazing too is I met like like minded individuals my same age too. So there's a couple of friends I still ca- stay in contact with, and that's one of the reasons where I was able to go to um, New Zealand and Australia is because I met somebody from Australia, James. Mm-hmm. He's coming. He's come to the United States to visit me. I've came. I went to Australia to visit him. It's perfect. Now here's the photographer business side of me did you shoot any of those photos with the idea of stock photography <laughs> yes, and I have did. it and, res- and resell yes, it is well it's a business expense that those i'm a travel photographer as well right. you can put that on my irs irs form there you go so i'm um yes i've had photos i've had lots of photos actually sell who um, represents those photos the associated press okay good so, so yeah, no, they're on the Associated Press, and I've had NBC, ABC, uh, any news organization has bought the Antarctica photos, especially for global warming stories. I'm sure. Right. You know, you get the statement of you can just see Every that they month. used it. Yeah. yeah. You don't really know exactly what story. But Doesn't matter. I'm assuming. Doesn't matter. It, pay, it, it it's paying something from the trip. Exactly, and those are not cheap trips, like you know, no. as you can imagine. But now, do you think of trips like, ooh, I'd like to go to Montana? Uh, and maybe if we go there, I'll shoot like a day or a half and I'll shoot a little of this, a little bit of that. I mean, do you have trips in mind with the business side of it? I think I just enjoy photography so much that I know that I'm going to take photos while I'm there. And then when I come back from my trips, I always want to edit them. It's just a habit. You know, you get in a habit, you shoot a football game, you edit your photos. Right. When I, when I go to, I went to Jackson Hole, uh, um, Wyoming this summer, you know, went to Yosemite this summer. So stayed local because of COVID, mm-hmm. did the easier trips. And so, you know, able to drive to Yosemite, able to take a quick flight to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and stay socially distant when, when you're in um, Yellowstone think, yeah. and Grand Tetons. I mean, it was it was a great trip. And Beautiful. so and so yeah, I'm taking photos for myself and then I just have the habit of editing them and I have the habit of <laughs> actually captioning and putting in metadata of my photos which is uh, here or there. But yeah, I can search any photo I've ever taken and it's metadata it has metadata. That's in it. great. I <laughs> wish like if I could be king for a day, I wish I can get more photographers to get out of their comfort zone. Um, and like, let's say it's, it's Wally with the LA times and be like, come on, Wally, let's go to Joshua tree and shoot like, you know, night star scape, anything, just like something different. Because I think so many photographers are like, I only shoot this and I never really do anything other photography. I don't go shoot maybe underwater photography when you get your scuba or, you know, 
anything else. They just don't do it. Yeah, exactly. That's funny that you mentioned that. I already bought my underwater housing. Of course already, you yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, you know how it is. It's an addiction. Right. And it's a, it's a tax write-off. I needed one. But then it becomes a challenge for you to be like, I wonder what kind of beautiful photos I can make underwater. Exactly. I mean, it's a whole nother world underwater. We, I mean, that's a whole, we could talk about oh, that yeah. forever, too. No, absolutely. So. It's a, it's, a be- it's, a, it's a beautiful, we are so fortunate that. God gave us this a talent and this ability to create and capture photos, and we can do it anytime, anytime. There's zero excuse during COVID for a photographer not to have gotten better. Because like, when do you say, I wish I had more time to do or learn or practice? You've had 10 months. Isn't that, I mean, gosh, could you, I remember where I was in March and where I was in April and where I was in May. It was, it was different. I caught up on a lot of things like, you know, that photo set that you said, you might, you, you'll get to it. That's like, or you do things or you re, I re-edited a lot of my portraits. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I did that was valuable. But I will say this, um, COVID for me was a little difficult, not traveling, not seeing family as much and things like that. And so to like show a little softer side of me, I think, you know, people when they are isolated like that, I was fortunate enough to have a girlfriend, my girlfriend, and we, we grew as a couple a lot together. We, we basically moved in together and we stayed together for all of COVID. And it was a, a good period to get to know, really know somebody and learn, yeah. learn, learn something. It's like almost being married, <laughs> you well, know, yes. it, right, right off the bat. I mean, we were dating before, but never did I think we would move in at that time. But it was nice to have somebody by your side in such an isolated period and not being able to go as often to see your friends or family. And so I feel for those people that like, man, it was a tough year for a lot of people. Oh, it was. It absolutely was. I mean, you're blessed that you have a partner and she likes to scuba dive so she can, you know, put up with your crazy photography addiction. I know. I whether get, it's underwater or not. I, I tricked her into that one. I was so true story. I said, hey, I want to take the scuba class. I want you to take it with me just so that way we're both certified. That way, if we ever have the opportunity, we can both do it. And she's like, well, I Hendo don't want to. I'm like, you're a swimmer. She swam competitively as an adult, you know, not Olympics, but hey, she swam competitively. Sure. She, she's good. And I was like, there's, you know, let's, let's try it. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I want to, like, I really want to do this. Like, I want to go all the way. But I'm like, hey, just, just do this, do the first class. Just do the little first class with me. We won't go below 30 feet. That was one of my lines. I said, we'll never go below 30 feet. You know, we'll always see the surface, you know, all the little yeah. things that you got to say to convince somebody. So we take the class. And then the next week, the instructor says, hey, we have this next, in two weeks, we have the advanced class. Anybody want to sign up? I sign us both up for the advanced class. And the rest is history. I, I, I tricked into falling in love with scuba diving. Good. And so... Sometimes a little nudge is okay. Yeah, exactly. But um, the instructor jokes that she's going to keep me alive because she's very conservative. <laughs> <laughs> so she's always triple checking, quadruple checking, safety checks and things like that. Right. I'm, I, I'm a safe diver, but I will definitely say she is a very safe diver. We'll good. put it that way. That's so, good to have. So, yeah. So One but, of you need to be that person. Yeah, exactly. So I have, a, I have the perfect partner in crime to keep me alive. So that way we can do this again. <laughs> <laughs> do you, where do you ingest like uh, research or, or, or looking at images? Do you use social media to try to attempt to when we could go to a bookstore or where do you try to like see stuff? Well, definitely back in the day when you say bookstore, I remember looking at magazines. I, I went to Barnes and Noble and all the other bookstores that you could and 
looked plop up every, your ass down and just I would up. grab 12 magazines and look at every magazine yeah. um, you know every sports magazine that they had Slam ESPN the magazine uh, Sports Illustrated even like something a little bit more obscure like out like um, I think like Advent Outland or Outlanders and I forget right. some of the other magazines that were out there they were like rock climbing or like mm-hmm. so it wasn't just like the four main sports that I was getting I was getting the extreme sports so look at I looked at skateboarding magazines Runner's surfing magazines whatever run, yeah I would literally like I would just Outdoor sit down. Outdoor photographer. Yeah. Anything. I would yeah. look at them all. Exactly. So I would, and you know, when you're there at Barnes & Noble, you pick them up and you just read them all and you look at the photos. And, and so that's what I did at an early age. And so now how I look at photos is definitely Instagram. Uh, just always kind of sucked into that social media thing, trying to cut my hours <laughs> as it we happens. all are. Um, Websites and I still look at ads. I because I, I I still look at advertising. Okay. I will say also TV. How movies? I get inspiration through movies. How they're produced. So I look at say, hey, if I had an unlimited budget, how could I light something? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things are CGI. But my girlfriend, since she works in that industry, well, we can see see things, and she'll be like, oh, they did that in post. I'll be like, okay, well, they're cheating. And so kind of right. get the inside scoop. But I like looking at movies now to get more inspiration because I feel like movies have always been the kings of lighting, if you will. Like they oh, know how to light. Those those gaffers, those grip guys, they know how to light. So I think if you want to look at something, oh, and even the television shows nowadays are just so well made. Oh, they're so much better. Like so oh my God. much better. Look at like the old Brady Bunch episode. And you go, Jesus, <laughs> did they only have one light? <laughs> like, come on. Exactly. But now you look at these, you know, any of these shows that are on Netflix or, or Showtime or HBO, you're just blown away by the production value. And so I get a lot of inspiration that way, too. I, I think those are a little bit unorthodox ways to, like, kind of see light. But you can see lighting everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Hell, you can see lighting when you when you used to be able to go to a restaurant and see how <laughs> terrible that one spotlight on the table is. And you can be like, well, I know that's not how I'm going to light something. Right. Like, it's kind of like when you're a photographer and light is your medium – you're always thinking about it. Um, and my parents would get annoyed sometimes. I was like, true story. As we would sit down at a restaurant table and be like, I can't sit here. And they'd be like, in the, in the beginning, they would ask why. Now they, now they know. <laughs> they don't even ask. They're like, okay. But it's like, yeah, this light, like you have the tungsten lighting here. Then they have a fluorescent bulb here. It's next to this window light. And then I'm backlit. So I see like, I'm, I'm just green. Like, I'm blue. I'm yeah, a little purple on yeah, the hair. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then you're, the window's facing you. So I'm backlit. Like I can't deal with this. <laughs> Let's go. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's interesting that way. What, what challenges you? What pushes you? What, what lights Rick's fire? Wow. That's a great question. I really have to think about that one for one second. We should plug some now. It's be like commercial break. <laughs> plug plug something in now. Be like this is brought to you by Smarty Pants. <laughs> smarty cutie pants. pants or There's no Smarty, pa- smarty little, Pants. Little Smarty Pants. Little brought- Smarty Pants brought to you by. <laughs> yeah. Check her out. Um, I think pushing the envelope in any way that you can, trying to see something different that has been shot a thousand times. So we all see. You know, we all see all these photographers at football games, and it seems like they shoot the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to see that differently. Or my favorite thing to do is see a moment 
differently than everybody else. So maybe it's the player introductions. You photograph it at a slow shutter speed, and then you get this blur of a player instead of shooting him at two thousandth of a second, and he's tack sharp. Okay. Like everybody's done that. Right. But let's do it. Let's do a blur or something like that. Or maybe it's um, a is couple years ago. Is, I was gonna say, is that something you thought about with eight millimeter? Um, Image in, in uh, yeah. New Orleans? Yeah, so that's, yeah, uh, so it's coin toss. Right. So um, a couple of years ago, Canon came out with the 8 to 15 millimeter F4 lens, and it has a circular. It's a circular polarizer, and it's like really bizarre. So you look at it, and the image is in a circle. So you have a, obviously a rectangle image, a rectangle medium, and then it just shows the circle outline. And it's a 180-degree plane of focus. So it's like, when are you going to use that? And I kind of used it more often than I should because it kept on working, I felt like. But looking at my portfolio, I think I have three shots with, with the 8mm. I was like, that's enough shots with the 8mm. Yeah. I think I'm done with it. Um, I don't even have it in my bag. But you were trying to see something but different. Yeah, so I'm, seeing, I'm trying to see something different. And so it's the coin toss. And, it, you know, being with the NFL, we have amazing access. That's one thing that I think everybody's envious of us is – the access that we have for pregame, we can go up to the Payton Mannings, the Russell Wilsons, and be very close to them and shoot like a 35 millimeter portrait, you know, shoot with a 35 millimeter lens and get a really nice portrait of them or get a nice 85 millimeter lens and those quiet moments of pregame that they have when they're stretching and certain things like that. So we have the access to go out on the field for the coin flip. And, you know, I would go sometimes. Sometimes I would be like, it's just a coin flip. It's kind of boring. Like, do we really need a photo of this? They never request it. Right. So I'm like, well, what can I do different? And so I didn't create this lens. Just I didn't create this. I will credit Peter Reed Miller for doing it first. And mm-hmm. I think before that, the... Somebody else did it before Peter Reed Miller. Yes, somebody did it. Uh, I want to say, I think maybe it was Heinz did it in... In the 70s or something. Yeah. Some funky... There was a black and white image yeah. I saw recently, and I was like, I remember seeing that before. So I won't be credited with inventing this. But you pushed but, yourself, and that's I, what matters. Yeah, but I will say I was, yeah, I did it with the coin toss during a live game, and I put the camera on a, on a monopod so I could move the camera out of the way when the coin was coming down during the coin flip. Mm-hmm. I think that was something different that, if I remember correctly... Um, Peter's just set his down on the ground and hoped that the that the coin wouldn't hit the, hit the camera. Love Peter. Love Peter. <laughs> Props to you, Peter. It's still an inspiration. And so, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to get it, but it worked so well, as you mentioned, in New Orleans, because it's the Superdome. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, perp, it's a circular dome. And so with this circular looking lens and the circular looking dome and the coin flip and the players just lined up ever so perfectly and it never happens. They had six captains on each team. They normally only have four. So they filled the frame on both sides and that's why that image turned out so well. And the Mercedes-Benz logo. And this Mercedes-Benz logo, which they've never paid me a dime for. Right. Because if it was Ford, <laughs> it just wouldn't have worked, right? Yeah. Like lettering or just, yeah, it would exactly. have been. But the circular Mercedes-Benz logo helps pull it all together. I, I really think it does. It's just one of those images that everything came together at the right time. And I, as luck may have it, I shot it with a, with a 5D Mark III, and that only does like six frames per second. So it's not like now, like you get 12 20. or 20. Yeah. So that coin's in the right spot at the right placement, too. It's, it's 
it's a lucky photo, but as you said, it, it was pushing the envelope. Right. So where are you at this week? I get the week off. Um, I'm going to the Super Bowl. Okay. So because so, of COVID restrictions, we have um, a limited number of photographers that can go to each. And so I was lucky enough to be selected for Super Bowl. Okay. So what do you... Now, it's going to be different with protocol. And you've done Super Bowls before. How many mm-hmm. have, you do, have you got in the bag so far? I th- I've done three before, so this is going to be four. Okay. So how are you going to try to challenge yourself in this one? That is a great question because... I am limited to my. I, I'm. I'm on the. I'm limited to one sideline as my spot. We have a team of photographers with the NFL, mm-hmm. and they're all in their spots. And I'm what's called a roamer, so I actually get to roam around, um, which is a great challenge at the Super Bowl, um, for a number of reasons. So you're always trying to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, a lot of times at Super Bowl, though, in all the past Super Bowls I've been to, I've had a stationary position, and that's just because of logistics. You mm-hmm. have right. eight photographers, or you know, however many. Numbers number of photographers at the time pre-COVID working for you. So there's no sense in having everybody move around. Sure. And as you know, it's football, so anything can happen. I mean, I think it was who got the amazing photo. It was the end. It was a Steelers game. Um, Steelers Cardinals when Harris runs the return back. Yeah, exactly. Almost dies. Like he just almost <laughs> physically killed, and that Exhaustion. man is built like a brick house. Exhaust, yeah. And he was exhausted when he got exactly. To the, and that's, that's the end of the uh, end of the half. End of the half. So normally, if you're a normal photographer, everybody would go to that other corner, take and get the touchdown. Right. But that doesn't happen. It fumbles and it runs back the other way. And I want to say Al Bello has an amazing photo, like the whole sequence. Yes. Al Bello has has it, and that's why you have stationary photographers and, at such a big game. And that unbelievable Al Bello's photo gets forgotten, but. Because that game has ended on Steelers winning it, the catch in the end zone, mm-hmm. where his toes are dragging. I think Beaver has it or something, right? Somebody has it like, like right in front I of thought, him. Like thought, was it Heinz or like Al? Al somebody Al, does. Like but somebody, somebody has the photo of the tiptoes on the line with like a wide angle lens. Right. And it was the cover that year. Yeah, and it's the cover, but everybody's like, oh yeah, there's Harris too. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about that play. Yeah. But that, yeah, that was probably the most exciting last play of the first half ever <laughs> ever definitely because it was like a hundred yards or something oh it, it has to be 101 i thought it would like fumbled in the end zone almost yeah 99 99 yards at right. least i just we almost, we all almost watched a absolutely healthy grown man die <laughs> <laughs> just running out of gas hey you, you, anybody chasing me for 99 yards i think i'm doing the same thing i don't know if i chase him though <laughs> That's a big man. Hey, that's your job. That's your job. It's a little different. <laughs> yeah, but if you're an offensive guard, you're like, eh, let him go. Yeah. <laughs> let somebody else young chase him oh, down. we'll get it next year. Yeah, we'll get it next year. <laughs> eh, whatever. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time out of your gr- unbelievable, difficult COVID schedule to sit down and talk about photography. This has been absolutely wonderful. Oh, my God. This has been such a pleasure both to see you again, to talk about things that are close, near and dear to my heart. Um, It's been a great conversation. I mean, photography is, we are blessed. We are so lucky. I mean, I think when people hear about this, they're going to be like, this guy's like the luckiest guy on the world. And I truly believe that. I I believe we all are. Anybody that, that gets to take pictures for a living is absolutely lucky. Thank well you said. thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Matt. All right, have a good one. You too. This is Matt Brown, and you listen to Just a Good Conversation. Please hit the subscribe button as well as the like button. You can always follow